and welcome to the fifth episode of Streaming Talks. Uh, just to give you a little bit of background about this episode, uh, this episode was recorded possibly about three months ago. There was a delay in releasing the episode and editing it due to uh, some events. So uh, it got delayed, but here it is. He's been doing Let's Plays, YouTube videos, and streaming for over 13 years combined. Please welcome my guest, a Twitch partner. He is on YouTube, and he does break a few games. Please welcome Proton John. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, buddy. How about you? Good, man. It's uh, I'm really excited to have you on. Uh, been doing this for how long, John? Uh, 13 years. <laughs> does it feel like 13 oh, years? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. It's it's like you think about it and it's just like that's that's over a third of my life. And it's just like, oh, why did I do the math? I usually like to start off things by kind of, you know, talking about how I kind of know you and um, how I got to know you. Actually, uh, it's kind of a long series of events. And I okay. always told my chat that if I ever got a one on one conversation with you, that I would tell this story to you. And uh, you'll okay. see why. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm, you got me invested now. Let's go. Uh, all right. So um, to start off these series of events, the year is 2016, 2017, right? And okay. I, I just returned back to the retro section. I was playing other things, went back to retro. And, you know, I was, you know, watching streams like You Got Marin and The Wii Guy, now Nico Tengoku, right? And uh, so as I'm watching these streams... You know, I go in the to Nico's channel and I'm like, wow, he's got a lot of people in here. He's like, yeah, Proton John showed up, you know, and I'm like, well, this guy just like randomly just finds these people and it just raids them or whatever. That's, you know, like, great. That's awesome. You know, uh, he's a good dude and supporting a lot of small streamers and stuff in the retro section. That's great. So it happened to Marin too. And I'm like, oh, it's, this is weird. All this happening. So here's uh, the next part. So, um, I don't know if you remember this, but I was in my stream. It was my birthday. I was playing arcade games, light gun games to be exact. And I was playing <laughs> Time Crisis. Time Crisis. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, we're playing some light gun games or whatever. And I'm like, oh, wait, what? that's Proton John. He, How does he... I, I never seen him in my chat before. I'm like, oh, he must have just like scrolled through retro or whatever. He must have just found some channels or whatever. He must be bored. He has nothing else to do. <laughs> so, anyways, so as I'm like, okay, you know, and we're talking about how we couldn't kill the helicopter. Remember that? Yes. And the helicopter would not die. And it was funny enough, I think it was the next stream he did. Time crisis. You tried killing that yeah. helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I remember watching. I was just like, oh, man, this is making me want to play this game now. So I think that's exactly why I played it the next stream. <laughs> and so... Um, okay. So it was like, okay, cool. You know, I was like, oh, all right. So he must've like, you know, found my channel by random or something. Right. Okay. So we fast forward about a couple months later. Um, it is the 44th day of me playing Balotoads. For those who don't know, at one point, about two years ago now, actually, I played Balotoads, um, blind, didn't know anything, went into it. Uh, so I went into it and I'm on a 44th day. I'm on revolution. This is a brand new territory for me. And it is literally the run before the run that won me the whole game. And there was people really invested into this run. And so as I'm going through revolution, 
the chat is constantly saying, hey, you know, turn off the chat for this continue. Uh, <laughs> let's turn off the chat for this continue and just go for it, dude. You just get it done because you've been working so hard for this. I'm like, okay, I turn off the chat. And then, you know, and, and I look down five minutes later. Oh, you missed the Proton John raid. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I did. And the first thing I said, I was like, oh, my God, I feel like such a jerk. And not because, like, it's the size of the raid. It's, like, because anybody who raids your channel, you feel bad. If you miss I me, mean, that's the first time. You're the only person I missed a raid from, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow. And so all these people are like, yeah, it was a Proton John raid. And I'm like, oh, no. But um, I know everything was okay afterwards. But the funny part is now for the past two years since then, chat has memed me about... um how you better not close chat because Proton John will rage. So like every time <laughs> it gets really serious, I'm like, hold on guys. Um, let's uh, double check the follow list. It's like six in the morning or something. You know, and I know you're not on. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's the kicker. Not only that. So I'm like, okay. And then, you know, I, I saw you, you know, um, hanging out in the channel more. And then what I didn't realize, dude, you followed me all the way back in 2015 in February. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly how it happened. I'll yeah, guys. say it. Go it was for it. Power Rangers speed run. Yes, yes. Arcade pit raid. Possibly. That's what it was. That's what it was. Arcade pit raid. Now, do you remember that exact raid? I mean, what was it like on your end when you were raiding me on Balatos? Because I always wonder. I'm like, do you remember that stream? Because I talked to your mod, um, Juker, actually, and uh, yeah, he he's like, dude, I remember that. That was hilarious. <laughs> I I can't remember exactly what it was. I do remember bursting out laughing when I'm like, oh shoot, he's muted it because he's so focused because he's been like like 30 days in at this point or however long it was. I was just like, oh man, I feel bad. I I think I actually said like, hey, I feel bad for like raiding at this like pivotal point, but like, I think you guys should go give him some support at the very least because he's been suffering for so long. And your chat is kind of quiet when it comes to raids. I mean, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, quiet. That's the word. Basically, when you get a Proton John raid, if you never have seen one before or participated in one before, which you should, um, basically, uh, it's hard not to miss. There is a good <laughs> amount of letters and usually a reference in context to what happened in the stream that the stream mm. they're raiding does not understand. Yep, that's traditionally it. That's traditionally how it goes. That's, that's an old school raid. Exactly. Before host buttons and, and raids, that was the way you did it. And... Um, so anyways, I always wanted to tell you that side of the story of of the raid because we always joked about it. And now it's become a meme in the channel. And uh, <laughs> I had to tell you. You have, you have so many memes, too, at this point. I always feel bad when I do get a chance to tune in. I'm just like, man, everyone's just trolling him so bad. And, and then you'll just be like, yeah, that's just a normal day. <laughs> every time. I'm just like. Like you were, you had your list up for like the latest uh, game clear you were gonna do. I'm just like, dude, what is this list? And you're like, yeah, no, that list is like two months old because I've been stuck on Adventure Island. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, we we finally beat it after 83 days. <clears throat> I I saw the clip on Shroomy's channel of all channels. Like he was just showing the clip, and I was just like, yeah, no. As someone who who beat that game and hates that game, the fact that you did it without knowing about the continue is mind boggling. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. I think Balotoad seasoned me before going into it. I I, th I think, but also, like, how many days did you say that took? Uh, 83 days, and there were three hours, three or four hours streams. Two, 
two months of streaming Adventure Island. How are you even sane at that point? Um, well, you know who tied me for um, a longer game was a, a guy named Sharpie. He played virtual pinball for that long because he's doing a Sega oh. Crusade. Yeah, no, I watched Sharpie too. I, I knew he had a bunch of games that had taken forever. Why did virtual pinball take that long? I think he had to wait for RNG on uh, some board or something. He had to get a certain score. So he was waiting for that. <laughs> ew, ew, that sucks. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's pretty horrifying. But anyways, um, wanted to tell you that story. And um, it's just an example how it's weird how people can cross paths in general. Um, mm. And... Um, I'm glad you found me on uh, playing the old Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I remember watching. I'm like, no one, no one ever speedruns this. This is a cool watch, and you seem like a cool guy. So I just kind of followed and just hung around for a bit. I thought uh, it was... I, I tend to lurk a lot too. So, oh yeah, I always uh, what was it in Scoot's episode? We joked how you're like this um, mysterious figure up in the mountains. You're like Batman kind of, <laughs> and then like if there's a game fact that you have to correct, you pop up, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> You disappear. It's like, oh, there's John to tell us about this game. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite unknown powers that my friends hate me for uh, is anytime they they try to sass me on stream and think I'm not there, or if they say something hella embarrassing, they're like, I really hope John doesn't hear that. I tend to actually have been there the whole time, and it just completely catches them off guard because I'll just have like, all right, this is the perfect time to just drop a quip and then just leave. And it's just so perfect. I love doing it. It's it's never like like I never know like they'll just like uh, what's a perfect example? My friend uh, a couple weeks ago, Stephen plays. He was he was just doing like a, an LP recording of Mario uh, Mario RPG, and then he went to a break and he started talking about me for some reason. And like I had joined five seconds before he started talking about me. I was just like, what happened? I haven't been here all day. Why why am I here? And then they just said like, I hope John's not here. Like too late. So so it's not just. It's not just certain victims; it's everybody, isn't it, John? It's it's pretty much everyone. Yeah, I actually have thirty streams open at one time. That's actually that's my secret. I I am this I am the surveillance squad of Twitch. I don't actually have thirty streams open at a time. For all we know, um, <laughs> for for all we know, <laughs> no, uh, but no, that's that's how we that's how me and Scoop discussed it. We're like, he's just like the shadow and a figure, man. You never know when he's gonna be there. And who knows that who knew that uh, Castlevania two would bring all the boys to the yard, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I have like a that's a guilty pleasure game for me. So that's that's why I was just like, oh, why are you doing this completely blind? This is going to suck so bad for you. you. You know what the toughest game was to play blind is? It's really surprising. Mike Tyson's punch out. Uh, I can see that. Like, literally 30 minutes into the stream, I'm like, okay, blind rules, blah, blah, blah. Got to be a jerk about it, all this stuff. Oh, by the way, for Mike Tyson blinks. And I'm like, um, all right, well, I guess uh, I haven't even started the game yet. So, um. <laughs> yeah, no, like anything that's like super, super popular IP is just a pain to do blind. I do on Mondays, I tend to do like blind stream playthroughs of like, oh, here's a game I've never beaten before. And then I have to walk this fine line of like, all right, you can help me with this, but only help me with this if I'm specifically saying, hey, chat, answer this question, blah, blah, blah. And even then people will just be like, yeah, I'm still going to go into details about the answer. I'm like, no, stop, stop, stop. You went, you were, you were doing fine. Apparently right now we're doing Bioshock Infinite right now. 
And uh, thankfully, most of my mods have played through it, so they know story spoilers, and they've been having to like time out a bunch of people. People will come in, literally just try to spoil the game, and then just get kicked, and that's it. And then one regular is just like, here's the entire plot of the uh, the DLC. And it's just like, what are you doing? Set blind. And then they copy and paste that Wikipedia article for you in case you want to read it. <laughs> but um, so uh, we brought John on here because we want to talk about Proton John and to learn about him. Um, you've been, like I said, you've been you've been around the block a few times, but uh, yeah, a few <laughs> A few, and you've definitely um, circled around a few times for sure. And the one thing I want to ask John is, uh, how did it all start? How did you end up creating a video that related to a video game? What was your first video that you remember posting? And what was the process like at that time? Uh, the first video I posted was uh, a Kirby Superstar LP. So I did uh, the first part of that on something awful way, way back on March 8th, 2007. So over 13 years ago. So at the time, yeah, at the time uh, I was still in university and uh, I had been on something awful for a couple years and something in the in the gaming area, in the gaming sub forum, they had... Uh, People were doing like playthroughs of games. They were just being like, hey, like, here's a breakdown. Like, I want to I want to let's play a game. So the first one that we're aware of that we can remember is Oregon Trail, where they were literally like, hey, let's play together. Hence the, the term let's play. Uh, people were like, OK, we want to like like make choices for us at these parts, so like stuff like that. And that's how they pace it out. But it was all screenshots. And then uh, a couple months before I had posted that video, a dude named Slow Beef started doing a playthrough of oh shoot what game was it the, the immortal so it was like a like an ea published game on like the nes and the genesis i think he was doing the genesis version uh during that like he was one of the few people that was doing video and he was doing video with and he was talking over it and we were all like oh this is this is interesting and weird like why is this different like, I, I think i'm trying to remember specifically if it was originally not commentated and then part ways through he got drunk on a bus and recorded himself playing it. I th I think that actually might be correct. I need to, I'm going to double check this. So uh, one thing that, <laughs> that MRR was learning earlier was that so many things I know or like, or like need to look up are archived. So it's easy to just keep a track of things. <laughs> well, conveniently, there's a website dedicated to all the LPs that people liked from something awful. So I can actually just, uh, check that information yeah so here we go uh let's play the immortal began on january 4th 2007 it has all the avis that people uploaded but i don't think they even had commentary on them let me find out oh no this had full commentary never mind then oh wow yeah so so they were full commentated yeah and uh i think part ways through the lp he uh he like here's like a he did the drunken episode i'm correct apparently he did a uh, level five starring a drunk slow beef i'm pretty sure that one was done on a bus because i remember something about him being on a bus drunk and recording an lp and trying not to make let the bus driver hear him and uh, and then like halfway through the lp he linked to this program called camtasia studio 
And uh, he was like, this is how I'm editing the videos. This is how I'm like putting my commentary in. So a bunch of people all started doing LPs from that. And uh, that's where a lot of people, like a lot of the something awful regulars, like Psychedelic Eyeball, myself, Maxwell Adams, just like a diabetes, just all these different, like if you were around that era, you knew their names, uh, just started doing it. Yeah, because like my my first LP was two months after he posted this one. So that was the point where I was like, all right, you know what? I'll give it a shot because I had a headset. I don't even remember why I had a headset. I think it was for like PC games, but I had one. So I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot and tried it. And uh, people liked it more than I expected. So I just kept doing it. And since I had uh, a lot of random downtime during university, I just kind of kept up with it. And it just kind of stuck for the longest time man that's that's crazy even at that time like just like the basic idea of doing a let's play was so early that that's where it originated from was just from that forum what happened was like we kept it mainly on google video because google video didn't have any video size limits and youtube at the time had the 10 minute limit so uh we all traditionally just did long videos and just kept them on google video but then uh, a dude named deceased crab used to post his videos on YouTube and he mainly kept doing that. Uh, so we had to deal with the 10 minute time limit, but uh, it like it helped get the name out there for a bit. I ended up making a YouTube channel because of that and did the same thing. That's why my YouTube channel is actually Proton John SA. Cause uh, I just figured like, Oh, there's no point in put, just putting myself on there. I'll just mark off that I'm from something awful so that it makes sense. And it's just an archive of that. And then afterwards when I started just doing YouTube stuff full time, I was just like, well, I guess the essay is is just stuck there at this point since you can't really remove it. So how did it feel when you were putting up videos in something awful? How did that make you feel when you put it up there and posted it for people to watch? It was it was super nerve wracking to do at the time, but uh, I, I was a lot more adventurous at that time, I guess is a lack of a better term. Because I used to do, at the same time, I used to do uh, stuff for the campus uh, TV show. Like we had, they had actually had like a, a uh, like a channel they would just do like the little bumpers that you would just see on tvs hanging out in like the cafeteria and stuff like that but they had like this this new show that they would do every couple of weeks that would air on like local cable like like local access tv so i hosted that a couple times did a couple of interviews for them and i was just like eh, it's probably not gonna be that different so i i just tried it out uh the difference between me commentating now and me commentating back then staggering uh, just completely different. But uh, I remember like being super nervous after recording, being like, "Oh, I don't know if this is gonna be good enough or whatever." I posted it, and then people like genuinely liked it. So I'm like, "Okay, cool. This makes this feel better." And I just kept doing it more and more after that. Yeah, interesting. I also, uh, I mean, I have a background in in TV. Actually, uh, I went to school for that. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it it was fun. It was a lot of hands on stuff in uh, community college that we did. Um. And uh, it's interesting how that can make you feel when you make something and people like it. It's like, huh, I might have something here. And sometimes, like, you don't know what's going to work until you actually try it, right? So um, as you posted your first video and you started posting more, what was the process like for you? You said you had a lot of downtime in university. Uh, what, What did you think about and do as you made these videos? You thought man, I want to keep doing this forever. Um, this is just practice. How did you end up keep doing it? Is it just a positive response? It was just a hobby, honestly. Like, uh, we weren't we weren't doing it for, for fame or money. It was just like, 
like originally it was just like oh i want to try this out and see this is cool and then a community kind of grew up around all these different people doing these videos it got its own sub forum on something awful and then we just kind of all kept doing it and just kind of encouraging each other so really it was just kind of like it was just finding a community to be in at that point uh the more we each did videos like we were like hi it's like okay hey like i thought this thing you did was really funny and stuff like that like i wish you would do more like that and we would just kind of like challenge each other to certain games just make up certain game challenges we would do and stuff like that uh it's just funny how many people like got involved in that like a couple people a couple names that people might know from youtube like later on like total biscuit came from the something awful and was in that forum for a bit like there's just a bunch of different people just kind of all cut their teeth on that so after doing a few videos do you have any no notable videos that you liked and remembered and do you remember any videos you didn't dislike from something awful i mean i hate i hate to say it but like the the one video everyone always remembers me for from the something awful days is my kaizo mario video everyone tends to know about that one or like they're like oh he's the move faster pokey guy I don't remember what thread it was. It was like some weird game challenges thread, I think. Uh, someone posted, uh, hey, I found this Mario ROM hack. It's really difficult. And uh, I can't beat the third stage. So if anyone here can beat the third stage with save states, I'll eat my hat. And of course, I was like, I want to see someone eat their hat. So I recorded myself playing through this stage. Me and another dude, it's like, like Eyeball, we both played through it. And I got the video posted just like a couple minutes before he did. So uh, we were like, that was actually kind of fun in a twisted way. So let, uh, let's let let's play through the whole thing. So we, me, him, and I think, was it Wooga was the third guy? Uh, the three of us played through uh, Kaizo Mario and we each basically rotated per stage. So we would do like, okay, I, like, I think I did stage two or something like that or stage three and we just kept like rotating like psychic would do stage one we'll go stage two so on just go in that order and when it fell to me we were doing uh special stages and i hadn't at the time played through the rest of the game because i had a i had a summer job and everything and i was just keeping busy so i was like well i guess i, I like I, i'll do the next stage blind i guess because i haven't had a chance to practice it and everyone was freaking out. i was like oh my god yes please do this because they knew what the next stage was and i didn't uh, that stage that I was going into had a time limit of a hundred seconds and I didn't know that. So, uh, what followed were two recordings of a genuinely uh, sincere reaction of me experiencing a terrible stage and having a mild breakdown during it. <laughs> and that video, uh, all my friends loved it. Everyone on something awful loved it. It just, it came like a meme for a while and still kind of has that carryover from time to time. Uh, a lot of people still quote that and still throw lines from that at me. And it was just like the first, it was the first like viral hit I had. And it was just like, oh, that's so cool. And and then later on, after realizing what happens when you have a viral hit, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was in, randomly in a, um, a Mario Maker streamers channel and they were making a section in their uh, level called Pastor Pokey. And I'm like, oh, really? Oh, holy cow. John is still in the history books, man. It, it's keeping your meme alive. <laughs> it, it, Dude, it never dies, man. It never dies. Here, let me, I'm going to look this up. I'm actually not, I'm curious. Um, I, I haven't done solo YouTube content in a while, but uh, still in the top three of my videos uh, is, is special stage two, part one from Kaizo World. 
and it has 1.9 million views on YouTube. Holy cow. How does that make you feel? Like at the I mean, even looking back at it now. It's it's weird. It's so weird. Uh I I, I a little bittersweet if I'm going to be perfectly honest because a lot a lot of things were cool about it at the time cuz it's like, "Oh man, everyone loves this thing." Like everyone or likes making fun of it, like either way, whatever. Like it got so much attention. It was so neat. And then like it got to the point where I got hit with oversaturation. I was just like, okay, I'm sick of hearing these things. Like my friends in real life uh, constantly used to tease me about the video. Uh, they would either tease me about the video itself or they would like, like, oh my God, you're internet famous now. So they would just scream out my name when we were in public. This is a, this is a real thing that happened. I used to go to like conventions and I used to cosplay back in the day. So we would just go like into our local con and cosplay. And then my friends would be like, oh my God, is that Proton John? But they would like really yell out really loudly just to kind of like troll me. And like, and like usually I was like, what the fuck? Stop it. Knock it off. Knock it off. And then uh, eventually when they realized it was actually like a problem, they started easing off on it. I remember I went to SakuraCon in Seattle with, uh, with my girlfriend roommates and a couple friends and uh one of my friends we were in the vendors hall he i don't remember what even got him to say it but he says like oh my god are you proton john like he said that out loud and then someone next to us looked over and said oh my god are you actually proton john and i said i looked at i gave my friend chris like this like this side eye like thanks bud so i said yeah i was like yeah no that's actually me so this guy gets right up in my face like let's say like a foot away from me maybe uh looks me up and down point blank and goes wow wow and then just walks away saying wow and i and i'm just like what happened and my friend's like i'm sorry i will never do that again now i understand why it bothers you (laughs) so uh stuff like that happening kind of uh wore out the welcome for it in a way and i kind of became jaded towards like it being so popular like like basically like that this is the reason i hate hearing myself quoted back at me is because it just brings up memories like that yeah that i can understand that i mean you hear it so many times and it's like okay dude we get it i know i did a video it happened we i heard it before you heard it before (laughs) yeah but of course every other person they're like oh this is the first time you're hearing it right like this is fresh and original so (laughs) <laughs> they think they, they think there's no issue with it I, I i've had people in the past i like i've been like even like other videos or streams i've just been like yo please stop quoting myself and i have to explain it why it's like why like this is such a good line like yes i know i thought that the first fifty thousand times i heard it back to me like like you know stuff like that like you, you won't people won't get that it's just fatiguing to hear over and over until they're actually like they experience it themselves or they see other people doing it. And they're like, oh, this really does happen a lot. So I've always been like super jaded towards that content, even though basically it's what has led to me being able to do this full time. And I, I hate to admit it, but it's probably for the best that happened. It balances out the feeling of being like super egotistical. Because I'll, I'll be honest, like... I, I struggle with my ego at times and that's one of the big things like having like a video have more than a million views back in like 2012 or whenever it was that it actually like got to that point that it crossed a million like that was a big deal it was hard to get videos like gaming videos at that point that high it, balancing it out with like the negativity or like the negative aspects of having a video that popular it was like kind of set me straight as with having the friends who were poking fun at me about it 
because while it might have held me back from like pushing harder on YouTube and like trying to make a bigger living out of it, it probably was for the best because at least it kind of kept me grounded because it is so easy doing this field to be to just kind of get an ego about it. Like you always see people like getting like crapped on for being too egotistical online or like just saying like, oh, I deserve this, 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 this. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I always have like this two-sided look of things of like, man, I wish I had pushed harder on this. I wish I had actually like capitalized on it when I could have like, you know, done like merch for Move Faster Pokey and all this other jazz. But at the same time, it's like, it's probably a good thing I didn't move on that and kind of like made sure I had my head on straight because otherwise I think I would have kind of ruined myself as a person. Yeah, and you would have been stuck being the pokey guy for who knows how long too. I mean, to be fair, I still am kind of that guy to some people and to other people I have other things that I am that guy for that have also persisted that long. I think it's important that people understand your side of it. But I also have to ask, um, you know, you talked about ego. How did you learn to to handle that and manage it? Like, oh man, do I should I feel like a big deal or how should I use this, you know, my platform now that's got some exposure? I mean, like I said, like uh, having friends that kind of keep you in check helps a lot. Just like more realistic people, like people that aren't in. I say I. <laughs> I was going to say in this field, which it's a field now, but back then it really wasn't like, here's the thing for as, as viral as that Kaizo video went, like I didn't make any money off of it. Uh, it, that was, that video got posted maybe two or three years before monetization. It was a common thing on YouTube channels. So it was just like, like, okay, cool. I've got the super popular video, but I've made nothing off of it. I just have some clout. And even then, like the cloud is just because I, you know, I, my voice squeaked during certain things or like I'm, I'm suffering the entire time. So, uh, it, it's just like differentiating between like, are people laughing with you or at you? It's just like, did, are were you raised up well enough that you kind of can, uh, like break yourself down in a way and like realize how, where, uh, things are like, like, should I be egotistical about this? Should I stay sensible about it? And like upbringing and like what age you are when all that happens dictates a lot of things. Like that video got posted. It was 2007. I would have been uh, 22. So like at that point, like I, I was still trying to find where I was going to be in my life. I remember like this was the point where I was like hating com- computer science. I was just getting sick of my degree. And I was like, would this be like something to start chasing towards? Like I like experiencing like the, the, the negative, the negative aspects and the positive aspects of it all just kind of like, it's hard to be like, this is the definitive thing that will help keep you in check. But it also is kind of like, you need, you need the life experience to do that. Like the younger you are, or like the less experienced you are as a person, either way, uh, makes you more susceptible to just kind of losing it and just kind of going too far in on it. Now it's now I feel like it's harder to just be like, yeah, like I did this just for fun kind of deal. Uh, like since it's so easy comparatively to earn revenue on videos or like streams and stuff like that, because at the time it was just like an unheard of thing. So you just you had to do it as a hobby. There was no other option unless you were trying to get into broadcasting. So uh, you didn't have people that were just like, oh, this is just like, this is super easy to do. Like, oh, this is just like a quick, like financial thing. Like, I'm going to make a quick buck, stuff like that. Like you, you were just doing a hobby. So I was like, oh, cool. People like my hobby. I'll keep doing my hobby. Uh, I feel like I'm going all over the the board here, but uh, 
no, I, I think it's just it was just a mix of uh, grounded people being around me, uh, having a grounded upbringing, and uh, also not really taking myself seriously. That's that's something that I think also helps. Is just I literally do not take myself seriously. Yeah, I uh, I have to ask, you know, uh, since you're 100 percent right about how it's considered a field now, and before it was just for fun. You put up some videos, have a couple of laughs. It's the equivalent of today's, uh, you know, a Reddit, you know, like a, like a clip on Reddit goes viral or something. They didn't make any monetization off. They got some exposure for the day, you know, or in your case, years. The uh, the question I wanted to ask you is, um, how did um, how did family feel like knowing you were doing something that's really they're not familiar with? They didn't know. <laughs> to put it to put it perfectly honest, I never told my family. Like I was living, I was living on my own because it was during university. But uh, I would come back to live with my parents during the summer. So actually, the uh, the Kaizo video in, in question was recorded at my parents' house. But they weren't at home because I think they were working at the time or they were just out shopping or whatever. And that's when I would do my recordings. So they knew I would do recordings and stuff like that. Uh, but they just thought it was like a silly like hobby thing I did online, which, I mean, it was. So they were just like, oh, at least he's got something. He's got friends he chats with, so... And he doesn't seem to be, it doesn't seem to be leading him down like a drug path or anything like that. So they were, they were perfectly fine with it. But like, they never, I never really told them how big a deal all of it was. And even when it became like my full-time job, like, uh, I made the decision more so myself. And then I kind of filled them in. I'm like, Hey, uh, I'm going to go this thing. You know, I've been, you probably see me do as a, as a hobby from time to time, but I never showed them any of the content. Uh, like, it's got to a point where I think it can actually like replace my job. Uh, I'm going to chase this, but like here, like here's the safeguards I put up to know that this is doable. Like they thought like my parents thought when I was doing, going to do internet content full time, they thought it was crazy and I don't blame them. Uh, but like, I was like, they, they, their main reaction was like, you sound like you have prepared in case this goes wrong. So we're going to trust you because at this point you're, you're in your twenties. And if we can't trust you at that point, I think we've raised you wrong. So, uh, they just kind of accepted it. Let me live my life. And now it's actually my job and, uh, it, it's pretty much worked out more or less. So they're, they're still confused by it because I don't show them the content because uh, to, be, to be perfectly honest, I swear a lot more than, uh, than they're used to hearing. Cause we grew up in the church. We were, we were a very religious family. At least my mom and myself were. And then uh, I fell out of the church like a couple years before I started doing the YouTube content and then all the videos and that. So I started, I was swearing a lot more in my, just my regular vernacular. And, uh, and I wouldn't normally swear around them because one time I was at home between semesters and I was playing Halo 2 online and a glitch happened. So I yelled, what the f***? And from like two or three floors down, my mother screams out, what did you just say? And she marched upstairs and lectured me for a half hour about how I was going to hell because of video games. So, uh, as much as I love my family, uh, I'm not going to give them, I wasn't going to give them more, uh, ammo to work with. <laughs> Uh, I should have told you about language on the, the podcast, but don't worry about it. I'll put a dolphin noise in. Oops. Oops. <laughs> oops. Okay. Sorry. Damn it. It'll be funny with a dolphin noise. Um, <laughs> Mike, you know, like in SpongeBob. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what a dolphin sounds like. Don't worry. <laughs> what was I going to even say? 
so at this time, you, you know, you talked about how, um, you know, you swear a lot more on the videos and uh, you kind of have like a different uh, personality versus like when you were with your parents, which, you know, some people do that. They look, you know, they act a little bit different when they're on stream versus like you're in person. That's just how it is when you have a camera on you or a microphone. The thing I wanted to ask you is um, to for people who aren't familiar what the Internet was like at that time who were actively watching videos. Um, what was it like? The ad, like the commentary and stuff for the videos. I mean, uh, I so nowadays, like a lot of people, when they think like Let's Play or YouTube, like they'll think like PewDiePie and stuff like that, like the the high energy, like uh, I sound like I'm such a fake person. Oh, but I'm having a laugh. I'm gonna scream because this game has scared me. Ah, like that kind of energy, like that kind of like stereotype, like your, your Markiplier, your, your PewDiePie, your etc. But like, and whether or not that's their genuine themselves or like, that's like not them. That's a completely different discussion because the fact of the matter is there are people that have had fake personas that do that stuff. So that's just whatever. But back then, like, like it was just getting used to like doing that content in general. Cause it wasn't super common in the early years. Like just, there were very few let's players at the time and they just kind of like all cropped up. Uh, all at once, all, everyone had kind of like a similar energy. Like they were just like getting used, to just starting to get comfortable with like talking in front of a microphone. Uh, it might seem more less, more or less energetic depending on the content that's happening. Like Kaizo in particular, like just things were freaking me out. So I would have like a freaked panic tone. But like if I'm just introducing myself, I'd be much more like lax, laid back. So it would just, it would, it would just depend. And then like you would test out certain things like depending on, cause like uh, no one cared back then. Uh, and uh, you could just kind of do whatever you wanted back then. Commentary wise. Like I remember uh, one of the first videos I did back in like the, for the Kirby superstar LP, I had ordered a pizza. I ordered a pizza and I'd hoped that uh, it would either show up before or after the recording. And it showed up in the middle. So I literally had to go in the middle of the recording, go get a pizza, pay for it uh, because I didn't want my roommates to take it. And then I ate the pizza during the recording because there was no like quality control back then. Maybe that's the best way to sum it. There was no quality control. You could just do whatever you wanted. No one cared. You just tried out what worked and hope or like tried out whatever you wanted and hope that anything stuck. So there's like literally a video out there of me just like eating pizza and it just it, I have a commentator on with me too because we were playing co-op uh, on uh, Great Cave Offensive, I believe it was. And it just, it's so jarring compared to now. But back then it was just like, that's weird. But like, eh, well, like at least you tried it. So like, it, it's just like the Wild West of like just trying everything. There was no real formula per se. Like different, like people back then uh, might come off as like super sheepish and shy and then like eventually you hear them kind of evolve into like grow into like a more like grandiose voice or like a more comfortable voice talking to a microphone it, it was it was just like an, an early growing day like an early experiment experimentation day as far as you know going from something awful into uh we'll fast forward a little bit to getting into with the runaway guys tell me how that all happened uh, so the Runaway Guys was uh, honestly kind of a fluke. What happened there was uh, I had been doing YouTube content off of something awful for a while. I was doing Mario ROM hacks primarily, but I was also doing like uh, Smash Brothers videos with friends, Mario Kart videos with friends, etc. 
And uh, somewhere along the way, this guy was messaging me on like AOL Instant Messenger. So uh, he was a fan and we just, we kind of chatted a bit. Like he seemed nice. And he said he like, he had started doing videos himself too. And he had done this uh, Earthbound Let's Play. And he sent me like one of the videos. And uh, I was like, like your commentary seems fine, but like uh, most people on something awful don't like say like doing video Let's Plays of RPGs is bad. Like you usually should do those as a uh, screenshot because you can control the pacing better. So like I gave this guy like this, this I'll be honest, like kind of rough feedback, but I was like, like you're clearly enjoying it. So like, just keep doing it. Uh, but it like, it kind of like was rude in that. And, uh, we just kept t- chatting on and off. Like, uh, but I didn't keep in touch because around the time that I got out of university, I got in a full-time job and then the recession hit. So I lost my job pretty fast and had to switch into to retail and stuff. So I kind of got a bit bummed out and I just, I went into a hiatus for putting up videos for like, I think it was a year, year and a half. And, uh, I, th- I felt like, you know, I'm pretty much, I'm probably done at this point in my life of doing YouTube videos and stuff like that. This was around 2009, 2010. And, uh, then that guy that I had, that fan that I talked to all those years ago and like, I'm just been randomly chatting on off with. Uh, I found out he was actually uh, a fairly popular YouTuber now. Like he'd actually kept doing it and people really liked what he was doing. Uh, that was Chugga Conroy. So uh, he was doing some uh, content with the Speed Gamers, which was at the time a, a very, very big like charity group. There were a bunch of people who would stream together. They were like... Uh, get people to like donate to whatever charity cause they were working towards. Like they would, uh, you know, play through games. They would have like all these goofy things and Emil would guess there a bunch. Uh, and as a result, like I, I paid attention and, uh, I got involved with that as well too. So we, we did that together. And I think that kind of rejuvenated, uh, my enjoyment of like YouTube stuff a bit. So that's around the time that I started doing, uh, like Superman and stuff like that. And then, uh, while I had, when I had finally gotten out of retail and got into a proper IT job, I, uh, I was chatting with Emil cause I had the job I was working was, had really weird hours. It was, uh, seven days on seven days off. The first seven days would be seven, seven thirty PM to seven thirty AM. You would take a week off and then your shift would be swapped. So it would be seven thirty AM to seven thirty PM. So you basically had to use that week off to readjust your sleep schedule so you could do like the day shift and stuff like that. Uh, the way it worked was like I had so much in the late night uh, shifts, like no one was in the office. So I just brought my computer with me. I would record some stuff there or like play games and I would just message my friends. And at that point, Emil and I had been talking a bunch and he was like, hey, do you want to do like some Mario Party content for uh, for our channel or like for my channel? I'm like, sure that sounds like kind of fun to do like uh so we would just like play it online or something like yeah like we can just do a net play for the emulator and we tried it out uh i remember trying to connect from my my work internet and uh it didn't work very smoothly like we literally got different mini games so like we like the board part would be fine and then we would get to the mini game and i would be playing like some game where you have to punch people and he would be playing some game where you had to like jump and hit a coin block. So like everything completely desynced at that point, no one had the correct score on their side, etc. Uh, so we're like, this is awful. We'll have to do this in person. But like, uh, I've never like traveled. Like, I don't, I don't know you well enough to travel to your house. Uh, 
so he pitched the idea of like, hey, what if we like met up at a convention and recorded stuff there? And then after we recorded stuff there, we could, uh, I could edit it, post it. We can like, he still wanted to put it on his channel originally, but then he realized like, uh, multiplayer content doesn't mesh well with my single player content. So how about we make it his own channel? So, uh, we came up with the idea of the channel and we were like, all right, well, if we're gonna do Mario party, two people's not really that much. We should probably get some other people involved. And originally we had, uh, we had four people in mind. Like we were gonna have a four player group. Uh, Nintendo Capri Sun got added to the, uh, because he had gone through there, there had been some weird thing on YouTube at the time where someone was false claiming videos and getting channels removed and Emil and Nintendo Capri Sun uh, Tim's channel also had been affected by this both because of I think their sunshine playthroughs something like that so uh, Emil was like hey well let's, let's get Tim involved on this because he uh, we both hadn't really talked to him but he went through a similar thing so he, and he plays similar games so he'd be a, a good fit and then we had a fourth person in mind, uh, but like I, the plan fell backwards. I can't even remember if we even like said out loud who it was. I think it was the idea. I think was to have Slim Kirby as the fourth, but he was also like doing his own group channel at the time. So I think it, we shot it down like super fast because we we're like, I don't uh, like. There's no way he'll be able to do both or something like that. So we kept it to just the three of us, and then we, we figured like, okay, what we'll do is like when we get certain four player games, like we'll we'll add in a guest. We'll have someone else meet up with us, and we can record together with them. Like we know a bunch of people that go to cons. It'll be great. So, uh, my, f one of my first trips to the States, I think it was like maybe my third, because I, I had started going to PAX West like a year or two prior, uh, was MAGFest 2011. And that one was where I met, uh, Nintendo Capri Sun and Chuck Conroy in person for the first time. And we all shared a hotel room together. That was this, the first time, like, getting to know Tim at all and getting to know Emil in person. Uh, we had, we had, uh, we brought a projector and an N64 with us. We recorded uh, with the microphone, just one big microphone uh, in the room, in a hotel room. Since it was a party convention, like no one really cared. So as long as we weren't just doing it super late at night and waking people up, like we just recorded Mario party one in on the floor of a hotel room with a projector pointed at the screen and just like, or just pointed at a wall and stuff like that. It was remarkably lo-fi, but uh, it was honestly kind of cool in a way. Like, it's just, it's got this weird, like, chaotic energy that you wouldn't see nearly as much anymore. But uh, that was just really where it all started. So we recorded it, and then we posted it, like, a month later, and, uh, and that's how the channel started. We just, uh, after that, we just kept doing it. We're like, okay, like, we do you want to go to this con as well, too? Like, we'll go to this con, we'll record this, we'll get a, a fourth pair to show up, and then we just, for two yeah two years at least we would record all of our let's play stuff in hotel rooms and we only ever got one noise complaint shockingly enough yeah that's that's pretty awesome that you guys got together you're making videos and um how did it how was it getting to know them in person versus being online was it any different was it smooth well, considering I hadn't, I literally had not talked to Tim before I met him in person. Like that, my only, my first impression was, was the in-person one. Cause I had seen like some of his videos and that was it. And it was drastically different. And Emil was kind of the same way too. Like, uh, text doesn't convey how energetic that guy is. And, uh, text doesn't convey how laid back Tim is. So it's just, it's just jarring from both like meeting them in person and getting used to like their in-person selves.
but also like how drastically different the two people are. So you have just like two different speeds coming at you at the same time. It's just, it was really weird to get used to. And sometimes it still throws me off. It's been, it's been so long at this point that I've kind of got used to everyone's quirks, but every now and then something just pops up and it's just like, really? <laughs> just constantly. So what was your favorite uh, moment in uh, the runway guys in general? Uh, when you started and you know, you guys started doing videos together, did that kind of motivate you to do uh, more video game content in general? I, I definitely feel like every time I go do a, a runaway guys recording session, I feel more charged to do like my own stuff. So I would definitely say like it helped. It helped kind of keep that creative energy going because basically like you're in a room with like two other people that are doing the exact same thing you do, but they're doing things in a different way that might catch you off guard. And just like it was it was honestly like really cool. And I just I feel like every time like we do a session or like we get together to do like a show or whatever, it uh it just keeps me like it's just like a boost basically it just it's just like a mix of like being around people that do the same thing you do and just like being around people that you like uh just kind of makes you want to come back and do more that's that's got to be tough sometimes not being able to talk to somebody about what you do because it was so you you know it was so different at that time um how did you how'd you deal with that Mm, not well (laughs) uh i mean like yeah i i i'm usually keep to myself so it was just like uh didn't really talk about it that much. Like I had my, my at the time girlfriends or like stuff like that. And just you did, and some of my friends were aware of what I did and kind of liked it. So it was just like, you would chat about it, about things like that to them. But like they, there would be certain things they wouldn't get. And, uh, you just were like, well, like, here's this issue. I'm going to break it down in a way that like, I see how things are. And there's like, well, here's my opinion of it, but it's not going to have like the same viewpoint. You just, you just take the feedback, I guess. Uh, with at least I still had some contacts with something awful and some of the members there at that point. So I would still like every now and then chat with them and be like, Hey, like this is what I'm dealing with. But something awful was also like a little, like very hazing, uh, at times. So like certain things I would do, like would give like people would give like reason, just kind of give me crap and stuff like that. Like that happened a lot. So, uh, you know, you just kind of, you kind of either like sucked it up and kind of rolled with it or you just kind of let, let it like break it down. So I just, it, it sounds rude to put it that way, but that is, that is the best way to put it. It was pretty much like a nut up or shut up kind of situation where no, like you would never quite get the support that you can get now. The best, the best way to put it probably is uh, people who start stuff like that now have so many more resources and so many more people they can talk to and get support on than you could back then. And I am jealous of that aspect of it. Yeah. Even in like, you know, even when I started, things are way more available. There's way more resources. There's way more pieces of software, all these things. So it's always interesting to to hear from your perspective, like when you, when you started, um, because it was very different. And I think a lot of people forget about that. You know, it wasn't always butterflies and uh, sunshine, you know? No, I mean, like, you couldn't just turn on your, like, PlayStation and just start streaming. Like, the fact that, like, the last couple of systems have had that, all those features built in, is, is super envious. Because, like, when I started doing YouTube, like, the Wii had just come out. Like, the 360 had been around for a couple of years, and then the PS3 had also recently come out. So, like, not much progress in the way of like streaming was thought about it like twitch wasn't twitch yet it was still justin tv or i think i forget if it even was justin tv at that point i forget when that started but like 
like all these platforms and things that people can use now, like uh, like all like the user friendly stuff that they could do, uh, you just couldn't do back then. Like YouTube had time limits. <laughs> you couldn't go past ten minutes, and considering the length of certain games, like you had to cut it up into parts when you didn't want to. You uh, you just had to deal with things that just were like weird that aren't issues now. Like it's just like the it's grown and changed so much. And uh, I think a lot of people take that for granted sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because it's so regularly available and it's promoted now, like it's the ratio of viewer to, to streamer or viewer to, to, you know, people who make videos, it's changed drastically and because it's more available. Yeah, like the, the more people enter the field is mainly because it's become easier to get into it. Like microphones are so readily available, like software, there's so much more software now, like et cetera, et cetera. Like. So, um, We'll dive into a little bit of, you know, we talked about the Runaway Guys, how that formed. And then, you know, you're obviously doing your own stuff at this point. Did you have any influences um, when you were trying to come up with videos or um, or it was just you just had these games in your head and you're like, ah, oh, this will be fun. Let's try this. Let's see how I break this game. Pretty, pretty much that. Uh, it's just a case of like Kirby Superstar, my first LP. I picked that because it was my favorite Super Nintendo game. So I'm like, OK. This makes sense to do it because I know the game really well, so I can probably talk uh, about it while I'm I'm playing it. But uh, once you've done content production for so long, or like once you've done like YouTube videos for so long, you eventually hate your older stuff, and that's the one curse with doing something you love so much, like like picking like the game you played that you love a much so much for your first playthrough. Because then once you've done like you got like another twenty under your belt, you're like man, I could do such a better job on my, on my favorite game. Why did I do that? Why did I do my favorite game dirty like that? Uh, so like, that's kind of what drives me to just kind of do whatever is just the whole like early days of like just doing whatever and like saw what stuck. There was no real inspiration for the game choices per se, unless like maybe a friend had a good suggestion or something like that. Or it's like some dumb reason, like, uh, like Kaizo was, was the hat eating bet. Uh, Superman was a different bet. Uh, just all these different things. Like, like inspiration will come from various reasons. Like Resident Evil five was, uh, at the time, my girlfriend's, uh, favorite game. So that's why we played through that. Like, like everything had some sort of connection to just like either be coincidental or just like, oh, someone's doing something. I think it'd be funny to do like to prove them wrong or something like that. Like spite, spite is the answer. Spite, spite, <laughs> uh, spite drives some choices. Spite, uh, like wanting to one up people would cause certain things like the, like the bets and, uh, just sometimes just feeling like wanting to display whatever I wanted and you never know where, uh, you're going to land on that. So you brought up Superman 64 and that's one of the videos people know you, you know, on YouTube about besides the Kaizo video that you re-uploaded. By the way, is this true? There is no original Kaizo video around, is there? Do have, what do you mean? Do you have your own copy of the original Kaizo video? Or I think, <laughs> I hope, I don't know. Uh, the, well, obviously Google video disappeared. So the original upload is gone. Uh, yeah, the one that's on, uh, on Twitch or sorry, on Twitch, the one that's on YouTube rather is actually a re-upload. And that was a re-upload, uh, that I posted after I made the channel originally. So while the, uh, the post video 
the posting date for that video is, what does it say here? September 26, 2007. That was recorded uh, July or August 2007. So like it, it was uploaded months later. Here, let me, I can probably get the exact date if you give me a hot minute. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like it just, it was something like that. Yeah, because um, it, someone meant because uh, I looked, I was looking at some your past videos just for like a little bit of research, and um, I found there was only like two parts of the Kaizo video, and there were people in the comments like, "Where's the upload for the other one for the whole thing?" <laughs> yeah, no, the uh, like I said, the way we did that LP was like we all took turns on each stage, so uh, certain like so none of us recorded the entire LP. We just had parts like I have looking on this one, two, three, four, uh, five. I actually only did about five videos for that playthrough. And I uploaded to YouTube only two of them, which were special stage two and special stage four. But uh, there's also uh, the Yellow Switch Palace I did, level three, which I think is the original video for the hat eating. There's like some, I think it's the stage that leads you to special stage, special world. Because I think you have, that's the swimming stage where you have to like clip under the ground to find the key slot. <laughs> and obviously the, yeah, there was obviously special stage two, the infamous move faster poking one, uh, special stage four. And then there was the actual end of the LP where all of us raced through the final world. But uh, all of those videos are just, are they're only on the LP archive now. So, uh, because if you click on Google Video, they don't bring up anything anymore. It's just, you can download the old ass AVIs. So now that you've said that, I'm going to go ahead and download that video just in case I don't actually have a local recording of that anymore. Well, there you go, guys. History's being saved. <laughs> Kaizo Mario World Video 13, 24 megabytes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. This is, this is bringing me back, man. Oh yeah. No, this, this quality is shite. Oh my God. Yeah. So that, this is definitely not the original recording. Like it, it looks really bad by comparison. So it's a re, but, uh, the re-recording of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to look up in VLC and see how it looks. Cause I, windows didn't like it. It looks a little better in uh, in that, but yeah, it is definitely definitely was only downloaded as a as a savable version, just nowhere near the same quality it should be. God, this is so weird going back to this. <laughs> I might, yeah, I might have the original recording on a hard drive somewhere, but I wouldn't remember off the top of my head which hard drive anymore. It that could be one of those things that's lost to time. When Google Video like died. You could connect your Google video account to your YouTube account and it would upload all the videos there as private videos. So I might actually still have the original video as a private video. The one before the one before I had to split it into two because of the YouTube time limit. I'm actually gonna go look at that right now. So <laughs> So uh you know, as we were trying to cover history here with uh uh Kaizo Mario, <laughs> uh Tell us about the uh, Superman 64 video a little bit. Um, how did you feel about it when the video came out and the reaction people got out of it? Uh, that was that was a thing. <laughs> this, <laughs> it happened. It was a thing. I don't. I don't know, man. Uh, so that was another bet I basically took on. Uh, 
someone posted a video of them playing the game in an emulator and they were like, yeah, man, I can't like, I don't think anyone can control this game. Like you can't beat this first stage. Like it's, it's impossible. And then I, I was like, I'm sure I could probably do that. Cause I like challenging myself to stuff. So I downloaded the game, uh, tried it out. And sure enough, I recorded myself beating the first stage. No problem. Like the controls were janky to get used to, but they weren't that bad in the long run. Like once you got used to the quirks, it was pretty easy to control. So I just recorded myself doing the flying through rings, beating the first stage. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, no, this seems all right. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. And then one of my friends at the time was like, hey, I will send you a capture card and a copy of the game if you are willing to like play through the entire game for a let's play. So uh, he sent that and I played through it, but I didn't know. I figured I had to beat the game. but I didn't know how to do the LP because I was like, I guess I could just do like a standard playthrough, but it doesn't seem like it'd be that interesting. And then uh, there was a dude on something awful. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now, but he did uh, research indicates that's his name. Uh, He did a playthrough of like trespasser and the first crimson skies game. And he had like this, this beautiful radio voice. Cause I think he was actually like a professional, like DJ. And, uh, he just had this beautiful voice and presentation and all this stuff was super like educational in a way. So I'm like, this is, this is really cool. I would love to do something like that. So I tried it out. I tried doing uh, like kind of a, like a, a documentary research style breakdown of the game. And uh, I kept finding glitches the whole time. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll keep tracking all the glitches I keep finding during the game too. That became just a running gag. And then just, I was like, okay, I finally think I have a way of like doing this in an entertaining way. Cause the game just constantly kept breaking, but it was just, really entertaining to do so uh when it got posted people were just like super excited it's like oh my god someone's actually gonna play through this like oh my god you also make this look playable so it was it was fun doing that and just like, getting to try out like a different style of video at the time but uh I remember what i said earlier about like uh like ego being an issue uh i think this one kind of had hubris also be an issue because uh, eventually through the play, like I was slow doing the playthrough because I still had to like worry about my real job. Like I had also gotten uh, the recession hit. So I lost my job and I was just like trying to find myself just like didn't try to get my groove back. And uh, I would take a long time between posting parts because I was just like not motivated in a way. And then uh, for the fourth stage, the fourth video I did, uh, I managed to find a way to interview uh, the producer of the game, one of the guys who owned, uh, who ran Titus Entertainment. So uh, I interviewed him. I asked him a bunch of questions about his company, about his history, and obviously about the game itself. And that got posted online, and that got a lot of attention. Like that ended up on sites like Otaku, like a couple other interest sites. Like I haven't, like I am entered on the Superman sixty four entry on Wikipedia just like all this stuff. And I was just like, I don't know how to top this. <laughs> I, this was the problem. Like uh, I had been trying to kind of like push myself to try new things, but I had made such a leap on that episode. I didn't know what to do. And I kind of like, I don't want to say sat on my laurels, but that's not necessarily wrong either. Like I got to a point where I just didn't know where to go next with things. I just, and it, it just became this, like I, I always feel pressure when I look at that project now so it's just like it's like it'll take a year before an episode will come out at minimum because i just 
have no idea where to go next with it or like I just am so like I get anxiety thinking about trying to work on the project now like at the time it was very well received and stuff but then it became like this running gag of like oh I'll see you next year for the next episode or I'll see you in five years for the next one like it just that became like the thing uh that replaced most of the Kaizo quotes was like when Superman or where Superman and uh I don't know, man. It's just something I did to myself and just it's it's hard. It's a hard hole to get out of next month. I believe marks the 10 year anniversary of that LP running. And I am I've the last video I posted was part nine of 14. Wow. It is. It is. I think in the running, if not, is the current longest running LP ever. I a bunch of us joked that we were going to uh, apply for a Guinness World Record for it because we could probably definitively prove it as the longest running Let's Play on YouTube. But uh, Guinness World Records cost a lot of money. It's kind of a, it's kind of a money scam. So we were just like, no, nah, we won't do it. We'll just say it is as a joke. Well, it is on my list to blind playthroughs, you know. So mm. I'm like, give me a run for your money. Ha- <laughs> ha- have fun with that one. But it, it, I mean, it saves between stages. So yeah, you won't be that, that hard off at least. In between, you know, you doing the Runaway Guy stuff and you've been doing your own stuff, um, what kind of slowed the train on YouTube and decided to do live streams? And what was that like, transitioning? And not just, like, your audience, but, like, the process of doing a stream versus videos. That's got to be really different for you. It is It is very different. There's just a completely different type of energy for, uh, for doing YouTube videos versus streaming because obviously you get the feedback immediately on on twitch like uh, but even like even before twitch i did streaming on youtube because like way way back in the day they had a way you could stream on there using uh oh crap what was the name of the program like adobe live suite encoder or something like that it was just a program literally just designed to run streams on youtube and uh it worked for lack of a better term but we would just like me and my roommates and my girlfriend at the time, we would just like play games and just kind of goof off and just like have fun with that. Uh, so we had already done that a little bit while mainly focusing on YouTube content. Cause uh, just after I think I had started taking YouTube full time seriously, that was when we tried doing that. And then uh, someone linked me to this program that was in beta called XSplit. And, uh, I was like, oh, hey, this looks like a much more manageable way to actually do streaming. Like, I'll try this out. So in 2012, I did a couple test streams at a friend's house. Uh, Yeah, it says we did like three different little streams there, played a couple different games. I did one at my house as well. And then we did bounce back and forth of doing YouTube and Twitch streams for that. And then it seemed like it would be better on Twitch since it was more so designed for gaming gaming streams. 2013 also was uh, when my girlfriend at the time we had been in a year for five year relate we had been in a five year relationship at that point we broke up so I needed something to do that would keep me kind of distracted because we were still living together we had been living together for probably four of those five years and just to keep things awkward like I just I went in my office I just stayed there and I just like would would stream and just kind of entertain myself just to keep keep sane in a way. So uh, that's kind of when Twitch streaming became a bit more serious for me. And ironically, doing that so much got me partnership on Twitch. 
because you could uh, back then, and I assume you still can now, you could basically leverage your, your YouTube channel and be like, oh yeah, I've got this big a following over on YouTube, so I should be a partner over here on your platform. And uh, yeah, I got partner relatively easy because of doing the streaming and that and, and having the YouTube channel and just it became my coping mechanism, but also became more fun in a way. Because like, like I said, the energy between the two is so different. Like YouTube content was me like talking to myself basically for half an hour. Let's say however long the video is. And then Twitch would be five hours of probably being in like a Skype call with a friend and also having like a couple hundred people hang out and just like, throwing around jokes and just like playing random games like it it had a different energy it was a more chaotic like free flow improv energy versus like a strict rigidness of like this is what i would like this video to have this is where i would hopefully we go by the end like like it didn't require a plan youtube videos to me uh require some sort of structure or plan twitch streaming to me is here's the here's like where we're going to start I have no idea where we're going to end. Let's just. That's what happened there was uh, just rolling through that and uh, seeing what that. And honestly, like it became it was better. It was better all along. Like, I don't know how else to, to put it. Like when I moved out, when my ex and I like separated, and we actually went to like different houses and stuff like I moved into an apartment by myself and I was like, I need I need something to do. I need like. It's like uh, it's harder to focus on just YouTube stuff. Like Twitch is more interesting. Uh, it was after a while became more financially viable out of the two. So I just put more of a focus on it, and it just it just stuck. It just became the thing I kept doing. It kept becoming the thing I liked more. There was a while where I was doing both at the same time, and honestly, like if I'm going to be perfectly honest, I should have kept doing both the best thing you can do for your actual like uh, following is to continue to do both, but it is hard to do both at times. So uh, I just put my energy into one and it ended up being the smarter decision in the long run. I still had the runaway guys. So there was still YouTube content of me going out period, but like I was having way more fun with my content because I was just doing streaming. It just, it spurred from a bad breakup and just, like turn into something I really enjoy. And uh, when you went to Twitch, uh, what was what was it like on Twitch when you went in? And uh, was there any streamers or maybe former YouTubers that were doing the same thing you were doing? Some people would, would stream like once or twice on Twitch, but the majority of like my friends I had built up in YouTube at that point, the majority of them did not stream. So I had I had one friend that was doing YouTube that was focusing more on Twitch, and he definitely is now a, a, a full-time Twitcher now. It, it He's known as Patty, uh, but he used to go by P-Call on, uh, on YouTube. So he was kind of uh, who I would watch at times too, like out of my friends, because he was really the only other streamer uh, that I knew. But uh, yeah, no, like at the time, like people were like, why are you jumping over to, like, to, to Twitch? Like YouTube's like, you've got to follow me on YouTube. YouTube's more interesting. And then as more and more time passed, more and more of my YouTube friends were like, you know, we should do Twitch content too. Or like they moved over primarily to Twitch. Like it... The problem is like, uh, we were lucky because a Twitch was so young; it was easier to get followings back then. And b, uh, we already had established YouTube followings, so people came over to Twitch. 
So most of the people that would be in the comments for your YouTube videos would also be in your Twitch chat. So you kind of just had the same rapport you already had. And then eventually like it just became its own different thing. YouTube became more, more toxic. Uh, YouTube's like became less partner friendly to put it bluntly. It just, it became, it felt like it became the better platform of the two simply for like content creators. So really like it went from being like this strange place to being like, okay, no, there's some familiarity here. Like there's nothing really out of place to just being like, oh, this is actually perfectly fine. And, and then it became better than what was originally offered over there. And that's why YouTube started doing uh, streaming to kind of try to get that energy back and keep people in their ecosystem. But uh, no, the gaming scene over in YouTube has always had its fair share of issues. And it just, it, it's become more and more prevalent to the more and more like everyone has issues with like the algorithms and what have you. Yeah, um, we had another guest, Barley. He did a YouTube channel called Spike and Barley. And uh, he went over from streaming even to this day, there are YouTubers coming over. Like I saw gaming historian, uh, Mike Matei from the ABGN. There's just like, mm. it's just funny how you mentioned that. And it's still happening today. People are still transplanting over to Twitch. Well, did you see that, uh, that infographic that was going around the other day about like year over year, like growth of hours watched or minutes watched on Twitch. And it was like 90% or something like that compared to last year. No, I didn't. Uh, let me see if I can find that again. That's interesting though. Yeah, here we go. Found it already. Uh, year over year growth for game streaming services. Uh, Twitch 98% year over year growth based on hours watched compared to April, 2019 and, uh, April, 2020. Now I know there's going to be some adjustment in that due to the world. Uh, but this says here, like, hours watched, April 2019, 750 million, uh, including non-gaming content, 819 million. That's April 2019. Hours watched, April 2020, 1.491 billion, or 1.654 billion, if you count just chatting and music. A year-over-year growth of either 98% or 101%, depending on which number you use. Like, that's crazy. YouTube gaming, same thing. 279 million to 461 million, so 65% year-over-year growth. Facebook gaming, 86 million, going, jumping up to 291 million, so a 238% year-over-year growth. Overall industry growth, 1.971 billion hours watched compared to 3.934 billion, so a 99% year-over-year growth. But this is based off of uh, stream elements uh, and their content, and I'm trying to remember where they actually get their numbers from. I think it's Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal GG. That's insane. I mean, to see like the amount of growth between when you when you started until what we're where we are today. Um, yeah, like like I said, like that's just the year difference between last year and this year. Like, imagine the difference between like a decade is made. Yeah, and you know that's great because you know it's great for for streamers, and I feel like um, it's just weird sometimes. You just get little surges sometimes. I've noticed in general. Um, so. Talk about your first couple of streams on Twitch. How did that go? And uh, do you remember any games you played? Any fond memories? Uh, did you change your schedule? Well, I'll be honest. Uh, I didn't have a schedule for when I was doing streams. Probably in, I didn't like lock down a schedule till like 2017, 2016. Because I was basically just whenever I felt like it, I streamed. But uh, the first few streams I did in 2012, and thank God that Tenmar has uh, written down all my streams in a, in a spreadsheet so I can literally check what game I've played in a stream. Uh, the first stream I did on Twitch was July 2nd, 2012. 
and uh, it was just me playing some random games with a friend or two on Skype. So I played Space Jam for the PlayStation 1. Wu-Tang Shaolin style I tried to play, but the disc didn't work. No One Can Stop Mr. Domino, Mega Man X7, and Mega Man X8. <laughs> that was the first stream that I played on Twitch. And I think that stream was like three hours long. Some hot picks you have there, John. <laughs> yeah, some some spicy picks. And then like uh, the next one, I went to one of the friends that I was in the call with. I went over to his place and, and streamed. So then we played like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD, Spelunky, Aben Hawkins and the Thousand Spikes, Techno Kitten Adventure, Super Meat Boy, Metal Gear Solid HD Collection, and Eat Lead, The Return of Matt Hazard. Like just a, a much more varied list. Like it was, it was never a case where it was just one game and only that game. It was always like, uh, I mean, I'm a collector. I've got a bunch of games. Let's just see what we want to play. So it's without question, you're a fountain full of knowledge when it comes to games. Uh, how how many games do you possibly have in your collection? You can guess. Oh, I don't need to guess. I, I have a number. <laughs> I told you everything is archived. It's so easy, dude. <laughs> So like all my games are listed online because the one of the main shticks I do on on stream is uh, what's called fortune cookie where uh, I have I go to a website and it picks five random games out of my game collection. So my whole game collection is listed on Twitch or on Twitch is listed on backloggery and then I can pick from that from Twitch. So right now uh, it says uh, it currently has nine thousand one hundred and sixty two games listed. These are all games that I own. And it breaks them down per system and if I've beaten them or completed them or just never played them. Uh, I have I have two bags of games I picked up yesterday that are not in there yet, which will probably boost that number by another 50. Uh, and also I've been going through some of my game collections and finding out that the games are not all listed there despite me owning them. So they must have just slipped through the cracks. So I've added like a bunch of games that I've missed since. But I know like my Steam library is probably not completely accurate. Uh, it says I own, yeah, on Backloggery, it says I own 852 Steam games. And if I go to Steam itself, it says I own, yeah, here we go, 908. Wow. So, uh, so yeah, that's, I've got to go through and fix that list. So I'm missing 50 games there off of Steam roughly. So have you always been a collector? I, I wouldn't I don't know if I'd say I started as a collector. The main the main thing that was uh, I never got rid of my games as a kid. So when I got a game, I kept it when I moved up to uh, when I moved from my home province of Newfoundland to Alberta to go to, to university, uh, I took everything with me that I could. So I had like a bunch of Super Nintendo games. I had a bunch of N64 games and I had a bunch of Game Boy games and Game Boy Advance games. So I took all those with me and then just never got rid of them. I've never really sold any of my games. I got lucky in that like I either save up my allowance and only buy games with it, or I would like get a game for my, my birthday or for Christmas. So it just kind of kept going from that. And then one of my first jobs was working at EB games at a video game store. And you got a discount when you work there. So of course, at that point I was like, okay, I'm gonna buy, like I'll buy a PS2. I'll buy a GameCube. I'll buy games for both. And uh, since those systems were slowly on their way out, cause the Xbox 360 was dropping around that time. Like, prices for games were going lower. Like I would buy like Game Boy and PS1 games that we had in the store and they would be like dirt cheap. Uh, like I got like Final Fantasy Tactics for like five bucks and I got Chrono Trigger for five bucks. I got Earthbound for like a copy of Castlevania 4, like a, like cheap that I paid five bucks for, like cheap prices and stuff like that. So it was really easy to get into. 
which even though I was a university student and only making like summer job money or whatever uh, job I was working during the semester, like the discount combined with ease of access just made it natural to become a game collector. That kind of kind of grew into that. Like after like working the video game store jobs is basically what made me a full time collector. And then turning that into my my stream gig also was a natural choice that kind of increased things like it's funny. I some of my old streams are still archived on on YouTube. Like I have an archive channel for watching back like all the ones for like 2012, 13, 14. And at some point I mentioned stuff like having like oh, only like 1000 or 2000 games. And then I look at my total now. I'm like, wow, like streaming just ruined me, didn't it? <laughs> But it's like the only real vice I have that like really expensive vice. So it kind of worked out in the long run, if that makes sense. Because like, okay, I don't have money for drugs. So I have money for video games instead. Uh, I guess it just kind of worked out that way. It's funny how you mentioned how um, you started out as, you know, you you just slowly collected games. What's funny is that um, through streaming, I actually found a love for it. I started playing games and I'm like, oh, this is great. Because at first I was like, yeah, you know what? I want to, I really like this game called Power Rangers for the Super Nintendo. This is great. You know, I haven't played this in a while. Yeah. So I ended up buying a Super Nintendo just so I could speed run it. Right. And then I ended up buying yeah. all these other things, the N64, the Everdrives, <laughs> the Retro Tank. It's, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. Oh, John, how do I, oh. Dude, at least you were smart and got Everdrives and stuff, man. Like, I, I have to keep in mind, I need to have space for all these physical games I have. Like, like my basement is basically just bookshelves. Like I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 to 17 bookshelves down here. Oh my God. And they all have games in them. Like you have a library. They're all like, I have a library. Yeah, exactly. Well, while I have like 9,000 plus games, like, maybe a thousand of those are digital. So that's still 8,000 physical games you need to find a home for. That's insane. Like it, it takes up so much space. It looks great because it does look exactly like a library, like you said, but it takes up so much space. It, it was a cheap hobby when I started and has now basically become its own side business. Like people like spend like thousands of dollars for certain copies of games. Like I'm lucky. I kept the ones that I did as a kid. Cause some of those are stupid expensive now. And then like, I'm lucky I picked up some of these games when I did because they have also shot up in price since. Right. Like I, I remember like some games I've gotten for like five bucks, 30 bucks are now like $500 and it's just like disgusting now. Besides just collecting games, is there anything else you collect like figurines, uh, merchandise, anything along, uh, along those lines? Primarily just games. Uh, if I see something cool, uh, like merch wise, I might get it, but like it's not a priority. Like I have some of the merch that I've gotten from like conventions I've gone to. Like I have a lollipop chainsaw. Uh, like it's a foam finger, but it's a foam chainsaw. So like that's one of the the funnier ones that I have. Uh, I have some complete in box stuff. Like I have some like the, like the little monitor you could attach to a PS One to keep it around to take it around portably stuff like that. I do collect some figures, not much. I started getting into model kits again recently. I used to use those as a kid. But uh, other than actual games itself, the only thing I really collect for collecting sake that isn't a game is a uh, is Game Boys. I am trying to collect all the variants of Game Boy Pockets, and there are a lot. Uh, so I've got like a shelf with about 
dozen to two dozen uh, Game Boy Pockets on it. Wow. People forgot about the Game Boy Pocket, I feel like. I I uh, I had one as a kid. And I really loved it. Yeah. Because uh, it was like so much smaller than the original Game Boy. And uh, it was just a black screen instead of green, which kind of was easier on the eyes. And it used uh, AAAs instead of uh, AA's, which was also cool. You know, we kind of talked about your streams and stuff and how um, you transferred from YouTube. Now, I notice a lot in your streams, you have guests on there, you have other voices. Um, you don't see that a ton like regularly on streams, at least I haven't myself. Um, you regularly have different people on, you know, tagging along with your um, with your playthrough. Is that just something you've always done? You find it more fun? Um, what, what's the reason that you have guests on there so regularly? You know, I don't actually know if there was an actual reason why I started doing that. Um, but I know that it just, it was always fun having someone to bounce off of. And it just, it just kind of stuck. So somewhere along the way, like I just got this this habit where I was like, okay, we're gonna have like the first game will always just be me, just so I can still have do have practice for solo commentary and stuff. And then after like the first break, I'll be like, yo, any any mods want to hop in or do any friends want to come in on CoCom? And it just worked out like that. Like it was just fun because like as fun as it is with the chaos of like being able to, to like chat with chat and like dealing with their stuff and that. Uh, having someone else that can cover any weaknesses you might have, like when you're focused on the game or bring up subjects you might not think of or like see things in chat you might not think of just helped a lot. So like uh, I'll always prefer having a commentator on with me just because it's fun to have banter. Uh, like if I have someone that I, I mesh with and kind of gel with, like we'll have like really good banter. It'll always be like more entertaining as a result. But uh, I have no real problem with doing solo stuff myself too. It's just, it's more fun that way, I feel. Yeah, it's just like the origin of Let's Play. We're playing together, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you started having guest commentators and stuff on there um, in general. Uh, what uh, Do you have any pros or cons for uh, having commentators on there? And do you have any advice for people who want to do that, but they don't know how to balance it? Because there's always a balance you got to have in those streams because... Personally, for me, like if I hear too many voices and it doesn't mesh well, I'm like, uh, this is pretty hard to listen to. Uh. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are some like rules you kind of need to follow. One is uh, make sure you don't have too many voices. Otherwise, it gets too hard to follow, like you said. Um, it also helps to keep in mind the personality types of the people that you pick or like that you're you're hanging out with. Because like if you have a bunch of people that are constantly chatting you're going to have a lot of crosstalk and then a lot of like, oh, sorry, you go ahead. Oh, you go ahead. And it just becomes a bit more of a headache for the for the listener. It also helps if the voices are distinct enough that people can tell the difference between them. And that's one that we struggle with from time to time. Some people will will hear a voice and then hear a different voice. Then they to you, they can sound completely different. But to them, they could sound the exact same. We've had that a lot. We've had some very distinct voices. And then people are like, oh, is that this person? Talking? Like, no, 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 no. They're completely different. When it breaks down to just like, judging how much uh people talk how much they want to carry on certain topics like it's just something that you kind of like build up a natural like affinity to and figuring out like what is too much who how many are too much uh who should you not pair up with other people because like they become impossible to talk over uh sometimes i've had situations with some commentators where uh they'll keep talking and i need to like focus on the next thing and i can't because i don't want to cut them off so it's like 
also being able to be like, Hey, I need to take control back for a second. I know you're having a, like, you're talking about a good topic, but I need to like literally focus on X or Y thing that just happened. And we, we need to move the stream along. Uh, the, the pros and cons are basically like you have to manage a bit more because you have someone else to worry about that you might not have a good read on, or they might do things you don't expect. But at the same time, you have someone that can give like verbally give you prompts. So you don't have to visually like hunt them for them through the stream or through the chat. Like you basically have someone that can give you like if you feel like the conversation is dying, like they'll give you a prompt to keep rolling with and you can just banter back and forth with the person Uh, there. But like, again, yeah, you have to juggle whether or not you think it's the best thing to have to work with. You have full control if you just do it yourself. But you might find yourself running out of steam faster or you might find yourself like when your attention gets divided, you just might not have it might not be as energetic as you want it to be. But uh, yeah, both both sides have pros and cons. Another thing I want to talk about is that, you know, there's certain things that people remember from your stream. Um, for example, countermeasures and and uh, also it's just little things that you have in your stream. So I kind of want to talk about the backstory and some of this stuff. Um, let's talk about Robert Cop. What happened and how did this happen? The creation. Um, from my assumption, it's because you like Robocop and Waluigi. Is there a bigger story behind this? How there's a bit there's a bit bigger story than that, but that is the gist of it. Um, so I love Robocop. It's one of my favorite movies. I love Waluigi. He's one of my favorite Nintendo characters. And uh, traditionally on the Runaway Guys, I play as Waluigi, and I had a Waluigi voice going that uh, doesn't sound like him at all. But uh, people kind of associate me with the character because of that. So it was just like a, a running thing that would come up, and we played Robocop for the NES in one of the early streams. And uh, in that game, whenever you beat a stage, it shows this little animated GIF of Robocop talking. But uh, the way they animated it, it looks like he's just like opening his mouth and closing it kind of like a Muppet. So he's going like, and I thought that was hilarious. So I burst out laughing at it. And uh, someone, one of my mods and, and friends he sent me a GIF of that. So I used that on my uh, my loading screen because I needed some, I'm like, I need something here to just kind of fill in space so I can just kind of like tweet out the stream. I can get the games ready like while we're going live, stuff like that, let people come in before we actually start the gameplay. So uh, I used that GIF of Robocop going like, brah, brah, brah. eventually uh, my friend who sent me that GIF, he also... Uh, it was like, hey, I know you I know you love Waluigi and Robocop. So here he combined the two. He literally uh, put Robocop, uh, Robocop's helmet on there and then gave him Waluigi's nose and mustache. So that is uh, what is our current uh, proton cop emote. And then from that, uh, he made a GIF. He turned the GIF that we had on the animation screen to the robber cop head. And that was what like led to that becoming the big thing for the stream was like, he just became like a character. So originally he was literally just Robocop, but with Waluigi's face. And then, uh, I taught the chat about Robert cop. Robert cop is a, uh, it was a, like just an internet thing, an internet meme about someone making fun of bootleg toys. Um, it was like a poster for, for Robocop or like it was like an action figure for Robocop, but it was called Robert cop two. 
And like, it was just like one of those like, oh, you get the name wrong. Like, it's just a weird Photoshop that people made fun of. And then someone else uh, made a parody version where they called it like the furniture of law enforcement, Robert cop, he'll be back. Like they just like on purpose, mixing up all the different memes for or the different like quotes from different movies, just to kind of irk people and make it look like this big bootleg. And then we just kind of adopted the name because we're like, well, we need, we like, like, is it just, is it Robert cop? Cause like Waluigi. And then it just somehow became like the Robert cop name stuck. Hence why now he's, we just usually call him as Robert cop. So we, we basically like, uh, stole someone else's like bit and just kind of ran with it. Yeah. And it's totally recognizable. Like when you see the raid <laughs> emote, <laughs> the whole, our army of them, dude. <laughs> yeah. The, um, the, the whole, like him being like shirtless and running around with a gun thing that came from the countermeasures. Originally he was literally just, oh, it, it was two part. It was two part because it was the countermeasures and it was, um, it was a Smash Brothers brawl hack where they hacked in Waluigi, gave him Captain Falcon's moveset, and had him super buff and shirtless. And that's why uh, it kind of worked out. Like, he had, like, a mullet and everything. So he was basically just, like, Rambo Waluigi, I think is the actual term that was going around for him. And then that eventually got amalgamated into Robert Cop, and that's why he's just, like, a, like, just... Robocop's head with Waluigi's face and just a super buff body with a giant gun. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's hilarious, dude. Holy cow. It was so funny. Now that like, I heard this, <laughs> the backstory of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, this just snowballed into something completely different. <laughs> yeah. Like like I said, the countermeasures are basically just from UHF, which is a parody of Rambo. So really it's just like just all the like this Rambo and Robocop and Waluigi just combined into one is just what made the final character. So another thing I've noticed, and this is how like influential you've seen to become the people, especially I see it in streamers or names that I've seen in your chat before your intermission screen. Holy cow. How did you, how did this turn out the way it did? <laughs> uh, the intermission screen uh, started from the early YouTube streams. So what happened there was when we were just doing Q and a, like just hanging out and chatting with people, I would put random gifts on the wall and I would just kind of uh, like mess around with them and like move around screen and stuff like that. One of the ones that uh, was so memorable back then was in an edit of Lady Gaga dancing and singing from, I think like uh, bad romance, but it was Jim Carrey's face on her head. Oh my God. So Jim, Jim Gaga, I believe is the usual term we use for it. And, uh, that one was like just a recurring joke for a while. And then when I started doing streams more seriously, I'm like, okay, I need like an actual break screen so I can use the washroom and stuff like that. Uh, what do I want to do? I'm like, okay, like I like old timey, like inner, like, you know, like the old school, like movies would you like the word intermission. It's literally just in the word intermission on screen. And that's it. You like, you would go like get popcorn or whatever you wanted between movies. And I like, okay, I'll just use that. But then it's just a blank space that looks kind of void. I just remember like placing random gifts on that screen. And I was like, well, that's, that's just what the intermission screen is. It's just going to be a bunch of random gifts uh, around the word intermission and just stuck with that. Yeah, I think notably the Brock Lesnar gift seems always, it's funny. It's always in time with uh, the turtle song. <laughs> I've noticed that. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the turtle song for the longest time too. Uh, so going back to old timey movies and that too, uh, there was a game on the Xbox called Destroy All Humans. And if you left that game idle long enough, it would start playing uh, this intermission song called Summer Samba. 
And uh, I only knew this because when I was working at EB Games at the video game store, that game was on the demo. And of course, if no customers are into the store, it would just be left alone and you would hear that song playing. I thought the song was super catchy and it's like very good intermission music. So I used that for like three years. And then I found out uh, it was copywritten because it was an old composition that they had just done an edit of. I thought it was an original song for Destroy All Humans. No, it was just, it was an actual like classic song. So it got claimed all the time on YouTube and Twitch when they started doing uh, DMCA claims, it started muting the VOD because of the intermission song. So I had to change it. So I ended up changing it to uh, the pause music from Ninja Turtles 2. Uh, f- was it? Re- no, I follow, follow the glance the first one. Uh, back from the Sewers. Yeah. Ninja Turtles 2, Back from the Sewers for the Game Boy. Where when you pause that game, it plays this little jingle, then it goes pizza time, and then it just starts playing this song, uh, which I, I loved it. So I used that song for the intermission theme to replace the old one, and then eventually uh, I got a remix done of that in an elevator style. So trying to get back the, the feel of the old like classic music, and that's the current one we use. So like everything's got like little bits and pieces that lead to something else. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That When I first heard that intermission music, it was stuck in my head. Holy cow. Like, that's all I thought about for two weeks was intermission music. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, you know, I'll just randomly be sitting or something. And I'm like, Proton John's intermission music. Do, 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 do. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> but what's funny is that it just goes in like time with all the gifts. So like it's going with the beat of it. It's <laughs> it's amazing how it turned out. That that is pure coincidence. that was never done on purpose. That is pure coincidence. <laughs> so you could say all this um all these uh marketing uh things are just happy accidents almost and jokes and fun. I mean exactly. Like I, I have fallen into most of my opportunities and most of my like funny in jokes. Uh, we talked about a bit about the origins of the intermission music um, and things like that. Let's talk about, um, you know, why uh, it seems like you play a lot of older games when you stream. You could stream at anything you wanted. Um, why does it always mm-hmm. go back to games that you collected or games from the past and sometimes the present? Is it because it's, that's what's in your heart? That's what you love? And you have uh, memories with it? Or is it because you want to show people stuff? How did you, like, end up just streaming a lot of um, older games it seems like honestly just uh, just kind of what it felt felt to like I, I do feel like I prefer older games like uh, I would say at heart I am a retro streamer even though I don't actually use the tag all that often I mean it, it mainly stemmed from like there's always all these games that I played as a kid that I, I like haven't touched since I was a kid so I was curious to see if they're still good or if they're just like oh they were actually bad and I just thought they were good because I was a kid then there's the like the situations of like oh hey I heard this game was good let's try out this game like I'll get recommendations from other people then there's uh, just like, you know, curiosity about IPs that I never got a chance to play, just like, or like notoriously bad games from back then that would be fun to try out. It, it basically just became like, originally it was preference, then it just kind of became curiosity, and then it just became like just a thing. Uh, I found that I'm willing to pick like any type of game as long as it catches my eye or for like it's in my memory for some reason. Like I'm looking at my, I have, I have most of my consoles for streaming in a tower right now. Uh, looking at what games I can see that we've either streamed recently or have I played in my personal time recently, I see Vice Project Doom for the NES, Bioshock Infinite for PS4, Star Fox Zero for the Wii U, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps for Xbox One, uh, for Xbox 360, I see 
Uh, oh, yeah. Yaiba Ninja Gaiden Z. I see Disney Golf in the PS2. Atomic Runner in the Genesis. Super Mario RPG in the Super Nintendo. Superman 64 in the N64. Uh, D in the 3DO. Like, it just, it goes, like, everywhere. Like, uh, the best way to sum it up might be, like, I don't technically have a preference. My preference is if a game is fun, I'm willing to play it. So I don't mind being in like the modern era or the retro era, but it feels like a lot more genuinely fun games tend to land in the retro area. You mentioned the retro section. How does that feel watching that grow over the years? It's been really cool seeing so many people willing to do retro games and like the fact that 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 category itself has more or less grown because I can remember when, you know, retro really wasn't an option. And technically... Uh, the retro category was literally some game named retro. Indeed, it so was. So technically, that cat, that yeah, technically that category wasn't a category. It just became one eventually. Uh, so it's been funny just seeing it kind of grow from that. I for for as many retro games as I stream, I very rarely use the retro tag simply because I find it funnier to get games like the full title of the game trending high. Like I, I find it easier to be like, cause now, especially now that we can literally like follow a game tag. So there's a game like you want that's super obscure, but you want to get alerted when someone is actually streaming it. You can do that now. So I'll like, I'll be like, okay, it'd be really funny if I like streamed. Uh, let's, let's, let's pick something obscure here. I see on my, on my shelf. It'd be funny if I streamed Mr. Bones for the Saturn and got followers because of it, or like he got people excited because their favorite game, finally someone's streaming it. Like, and that happened a bunch, like uh, back in the early days when we had like, like uh, I used to stream earlier and I had like a much bigger, like concurrent viewer count. It was funny being like, yo, we got, we got Bomberman X zero and like the top 20 games on Twitch, stuff like that. Like that'd be the, the fun thing to do versus just keeping it all in one tag. And whenever I kept it in one tag and the few times I've done that, I would always get people asking, what game is this? So I just, I just found it mentally easier to be like, look, the game is literally set. You can use the game command and the bot will tell you, or you can literally just scroll the screen down slightly and you'll see the name of the game. You know, it's amazing to me how people just don't read. <laughs> don't even get me started on how people do not read. I can talk your ear off about it. Here's the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, you could, you could rate, like, you know, obviously your stream has grown a significant amount and you, you have a great fan base. You got a great community and you worked hard to, to get where you are. A lot of people don't think about that when they look at you now what makes you like raid smaller channels is and um i wanted to ask you this because i've seen different reactions of channels that you rated but what was what kind of like made you start doing that as far as uh you know you maybe find someone playing a favorite game and they might have a lot of viewers um is it because you want to get reaction do you want it because you think they're cool or um you want to help out like the retro category um, what was the motivation behind it after doing all these years? So, uh, I used to do raids of my friends cause like, uh, like it was like old, old school Twitch courtesy before, uh, like proper rating was a thing it was like, Oh, you just sent your audience over to someone else. So they would still have something to watch while you were gone. And I would do that with my friends and I, I did it with a couple of random strangers, but I got some negative reactions from some of them. Uh, like people got like timed out in their room or like they got mad. And I was just like, okay, well maybe I, I stopped doing it for a while. And then eventually I came back and started doing it again because uh, like there were people in my audience who were like, oh, I miss when we used to do raids. I'm like, okay, we'll try doing it again. And uh, I found the easiest thing to do if I wanted to get like variety in what game or what person we were getting, it was going to the retro tag. Because in the retro tag, you could get 
basically any generation of games from like PS2 and back. So there was not a shortage of games to choose. There weren't a giant amount of people in there. So like it didn't take too long to find an option. And usually you would find someone like someone playing a game I liked. And I was like, okay, well then this would be kind of cool to do. So uh, we there was a running gag for a while, and there still might be, where one of the easiest ways to get me to raid you was just to be playing Ninja Gaiden when I was done a stream. And that is true. Like I will, I will always check retro, and if I see someone streaming Ninja Gaiden, I will like almost nine times out of ten pick them. But uh, it it just became a thing of like it, it it's nicer to give like smaller like it's not always been like on purpose to do smaller streamers. It just kind of worked out that way because I was like, oh, like maybe I'm sure they could appreciate a boost or something. But like nine times out of ten, it's based on the game I'm playing or they're playing because that way, like at least I know my audience because they were interested in the game I was playing. Uh, if I go raid someone playing the same game or a game similar to it, I'll know that they will stay interested. And then it's just been fun finding different people and just getting like finding out that like, they're actually like entertaining streamers. Because I also watch the retro tag a fair amount, and that's how I've found a bunch of streamers that I watch on the regular. Uh, and then it just it seemed like, well, if I do this as well, this also gives me someone to watch, and it gives a smaller channel like a bump. So like it, it's win win at this point. Yeah, I mean that's that's great. I mean you like I said, you could have you could have rate people that your size, and it wouldn't really do anything. It seems like you're more fun finding new people, and you know, uh, just being interactive with the retro uh, section itself. Um, now, I do remember one raid you did. I was looking around on YouTube, and I'm not going to say who it was or anything, but it was Donkey Kong Country. It was, uh, I think it was on a crow fight or something, and this guy had no idea who you were. And, like, it was a raid, and he was like, is this, what is this? He just freaked out. I was like, oh, man. How do you handle that when raids go wrong and they don't understand? I, I feel bad, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I feel bad about it, but you just you just kind of have to roll with it. Like if it seems like they're they're not because I tend to watch the reaction on stream. Yeah. Just so I can like like here like if anyone watching back the vod here's like who we streamed here's like like their reaction to it like here's like what they're doing in their game just to give them a, a sample basically. So at that point it's just like if it's going bad I'll be like okay we need to end now we'll end and throw them the host so things are okay so we'll catch you guys later like I, I rush my ending sometimes when it goes wrong or if it goes wrong in the worst possible way I'll just like pick a new target but that is rare yeah that I just go and pick a new target <clears throat> like someone you know um <laughs> <laughs> that was a split in half actually after I realized what happened <laughs> <laughs> it was funny though we we still joke about that <laughs> um. The other thing too is, uh, man, how do you, uh, what interests you in watching other streams in, in your perspective? I always ask my guests this, um, what gets you to watch a stream and hang out with the stream and what also turns you off and makes you turn off the channel? Um, I am a game first person. I'll be honest. Uh, if the game that someone is playing, even if it's like a friend or something doesn't interest me, like I probably won't watch it despite how funny that person is. Like, I'll be honest right now, I'm looking at some of my, my best friend. Like, my wife is streaming Final Fantasy XIV right now, and I know it's going to be funny, but I am probably don't want to watch because I'm not super interested in Final Fantasy XIV. Another one of my friends is currently playing Monopoly for the Switch, and I'm curious to tune in and see why. <laughs> uh, but, like, it, it just depends on the game. That's, like, choice number one. It's like, if I have zero interest in the game, I'm not going to tune in, like, no matter who it is. 
after that, if they're playing a game I'm interested in, uh, it depends on the person and the personality. Like, uh, one of my favorite streamers to watch is Late Night Retro. I love watching LNR because he, he willingly suffers through so much in the retro category and he plays a lot of garbage that no one else would touch just because someone kind of dared him to. And, uh, it, I like being able to actually help him through that because he's willing to take advice and not just smash his head into a wall. That's not a shot at you, by the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, I respect you. I respect your decision for what you're doing with your with your game choices. But I also know, as someone who grew up in that era, you're f- crazy for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like it'll it'll like the order of my choices will be like yeah, game choice. Then like, do I like the personality? And then like, or do I like the person? their personality and then are they in a good or bad mood right now because like obviously if you you can see a game you love you can see the person you love but if they're in like the worst mood possible it's not gonna be fun to watch so like yeah the order is like game choice person their current personality and mental state and then just whoever else is also online at that point no that's that's perfect criteria and i agree with you um for me, it depends on my mood as well. I, what's funny mm. is that like, I like to watch the opposite of what I do. Um, that like makes That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I'm blind play through uh, not super hyperactive, you know, person versus like, for example, yeah. Andy, the Andy Social Network, total opposite. <laughs> Backseating guys, uh, come on, let's get going. High energy, coffee, you know. Um, and it's just funny. Like, it seems to be that way that people watch the opposite of what they what they stream almost it makes sense because like you you give off your own energy you put up with your own energy for like x amount of time of your stream and then if you want to detox you don't want to just put up with more of what you currently give out like you need to recharge like you you need like an opposite in a way yeah like a a palate cleanser almost so you don't get burned out um also uh i I believe you talked about this um probably at your panels i know you mentioned you were going to do it do you have any advice for streamers or people who are in YouTube still or maybe people who uh, have a new Twitch channel or maybe they're ch- trying to figure out what they're trying to do with their channel um, in general? Do you have any general advice that you could give those people after all the years that you went through recording videos to making memories and building a community and making friends? Uh, do you have anything you could tell them? Uh, the best piece of advice I feel like I've I've had over the years uh, is if it's not fun for you anymore, why are you doing it? I don't, I don't mean that in like the cliche, like, like you can't do things that you hate. I mean, more so like if it just feels like a slog every time, if it feels like it's not entertaining to you, like, why are you putting yourself through it? Why are you making yourself miserable for something that should be like fun? Uh, I feel like that's probably one of the reasons I latched onto streaming more because it felt more fun than just solo YouTube stuff. But uh, I found that like, if you're not having fun, your audience will know. You, everyone has a tell whether or not they uh, they realize it. And uh, more people are attracted to positivity and energy than negativity. There are people. There are plenty of people attracted to negativity. And that doesn't mean like you can't be just like like angry the whole time and you won't still get viewership. You'll just get probably not the kind of viewership you want permanently. Uh, so, and even then, like it's going to wear down on your mental state. You're going to feel better 
if you have a stream and you're cheery and like you enjoyed it the whole time versus like you played a stream and you've just felt miserable for like three hours like you're you're gonna remember feeling miserable after the stream versus if you felt happy during the stream and it's gonna linger in your mental state for a while so uh yeah my advice is basically like if you're not enjoying what you're doing either change up what you're doing or stop doing it how do you keep interesting for yourself after streaming and doing this for so long um i honestly got lucky because i'm a variety streamer uh i can literally do a stream and uh, we'll do like a fortune cookie stream where we play like five different games in the span of five or six hours and those five games will be games i have either never played before or played or like never played on stream so every and then i can go the next week do the same thing and it'll be a completely different set of games I basically am lucky because the content I create feels different to me every time I do it because I don't know what to expect. And I think that's like one of the lucky things. Like being a variety streamer is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Like it's hard at times to build an audience because it, it comparatively to just sticking with one game, it is easier to build an audience on just one game. But when you want to change that game, because maybe you're getting sick of it or maybe you just want a bit more variety. Uh, if they don't like that game, they will not be there. So it's, uh, it's either a case of like getting an audience that's accustomed to multiple different games or being okay with having to rebuild your numbers up each time you play a different game. So for me, since I've got my audience accustomed to playing different, like me playing different games all the time, it feels refreshing because it's like, I never know what I'm going to play and I never know what experience I'm going to get as a result. And also... Um, how do you maintain control of your channel somehow? Um, <laughs> you, you, you don't, you don't in a way. Uh, I found that I just learned to embrace chaos. Honestly, it, chaos is so much more entertaining. Like, uh, like all the art prompts and the art block we have now is, is, is like the definitive, like definitive form of chaos that our community has right now but also just like the chaos of like just coming up with silly jokes and then then becoming like alerts or like user created content either like through art or videos or, or audio uh just like you you gotta learn you just learn to kind of channel it and roll with it you have to you have to go with the flow to for that because like chaos can like destroy you if you're not careful like chaos like having no focus on what's happening can become too overwhelming and just hard to go with but if you can roll with the punches, go with the flow and just like take that when someone else tries to take control in a different direction and then just like re like kind of redirect it in a in a positive way while still kind of rolling with what's happening, you just kind of learn to do that. So uh, it also helps if you have some semblance of structure hidden beneath the chaos. So like I have a really good mod team. They are very good about keeping like shitty users out or like keeping things in check stuff like that and just making sure like the mood of the of everything just seems like happy and just like in place so it, it's like without the 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 amazing mod team i have i don't think this chaos would be as as good as it is and like as entertaining as it is but like it, it's just like a mix of like having a solid structure and then hiding that solid structure so people don't realize like everything is actually in control when it is just chaotic yeah i don't know it, it it is a wild ride at times and it can get away from you at times when you're just letting pure chaos rain, but, uh, it, it is fun. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask, um, when you're watching channels and stuff and you're just being, you know, a regular viewer, 
Um, does it bother you when people start adding you and start talking to you? Do you ever feel like um, that when you chat in a chat, you feel like you're obligated to always chat in there? Or do you just kind of like, I'm just going to uh, lurk and then just say a few words? Um, how do you handle that as far as, you know, being able to have a presence in our channel and not having to feel like Proton John, a streamer, for a little bit? So one of the things I did first and foremost when I found out it was an option was I turned off my check mark. Uh, the badge you get for being a partner in your twi in Twitch chat and other people's Twitch chats, just hid that. So uh, there are some people that will literally just strike up a conversation when they see a partner period. And I would rather just look like an organic member. And that has helped a lot. Uh, if I go to a channel and I know that the viewers there are also my viewers, um, it will get a little trickier. Because they'll ask me some questions sometimes, but I traditionally like I, I'm a lurk and there's a pop up when necessary, or if it's like just I've been in, active in the chat in a while and like people aren't just gonna like target me with questions, then I'll just like chat normally. You just you just kind of like roll with your own method on that one, basically. Um, I feel really bad if an audience is like focused on me and not the streamer, so I also like tend to just kind of lurk and just maybe like depending on the streamer, like either like help them out just mess with them like just like crack jokes at them because i know we have a good rapport and we can get away with doing that mm -hmm. uh like i mentioned earlier with like my friends when they uh they mention me and i just happen to be there and pop out a lurking just to mess with them stuff like that is fun like it just like rile up the the streamer in a healthy way but uh yeah no like if, if it gets to a point where i'm doing that and then people start asking me questions i'll like i'll maybe answer one or two and then uh then more or less disappear and go back to lurking. All right, to to uh to do go back to a while to something you mentioned earlier. Uh sure enough, I was right. I do have the video. Oh, great. It is it is actually on it is actually on my uh hidden on my YouTube channel. Oh, wow. So I'm sure people will be ecstatic. And it is it, it it's a whopping 44 megs, baby, and it was recorded in ZSNES. Heck yeah. Back when save states were okay. No, I'm just kidding. There's a whole debate about that. <laughs> oh my god, don't even get me started on that. Uh but I'm never gonna gatekeep someone for wanting to use save states, but man, like the the argument that starts whenever you bring up the option save states is so frustrating. Well, it's suspend points. They're different, John. Come on. I mean, <laughs> suspend points are different because you can't. I don't want to leave my my Genesis on for like two weeks. I don't want to do that. You know, we we kind of cover a little bit of everything with John. You're kind of like a pillar in like in all of this playing games. And, you know, uh, especially the older games, especially in the retro category, um, a lot of people talk about you good, you know, Super Mario community as well. Um, how does that feel to kind of have that impact on people when you go to a channel? And sometimes I've seen this before, legitimately, some people you like mimic your intermission screen. And there are people that still talk about your videos, even though you may not want to talk about them. Uh <laughs> But how does it kind of like make you feel though that you made an impact and you spent all this time and you kind of reflect on it? It's weird. Maybe this goes with the previous discussion about, about ego and being kept in check. But like, I don't feel like I've done anything that makes a difference or inspires people. Despite the fact that I have, I've had literally people and friends tell me like, hey, I started doing this because of you. Like I, I've like... I, I, you've helped me out of like a depressive episode because of just being you. And it's, it's, 
it's weird to get used to because I never got into doing this to make a difference or to inspire other people. I like I said at the beginning, I got into this because I wanted to I was bored. I wanted something to do. I'm flattered that it had that positive effect. And I love that people are excited to see what I do. But it it was never the intention, I guess. It was uh, it's just a positive uh, effect that happened, just like a positive coincidence. So I, I just more or less like kind of try to take it in stride. Be like, oh, that, that's flattering. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy my stuff that much. And then I'll probably make like a, like a joking quip. And be like, you can pick better people to be inspired by, please. But uh, yeah, in the long run, it's just, it's really flattering. And one more question. Uh, how come you don't use a face cam when you play games? <laughs> uh, because I like uh, being able to stream and not have to actually dress up for it. Like right now I'm wearing my pajamas and my hair is an absolute mess. Like right now I literally look like I should not, I don't even want my wife to see me like this right now. <laughs> and she sees me like this all the time. So if I, if I like, but I also want to do, to still accomplish things with all this. I don't want to have to devote all the time to be like, okay, I got to go like get my hair groomed. I got to go like trim my facial hair. I got to go like actually like shower and like put on some decent clothing. I, I like being able to be like, yeah, I look like an absolute, uh, absolute freaking mess, but uh, I'm about to go entertain people for six hours. So uh, I tend to just not use webcam because I feel like I feel like I don't have to worry about myself at that point. Right. The only thing I need to worry about at that point is just what I'm saying and what I'm doing. Yeah. And it also works for you because that's like the style you've always had. No face cam. And you've always done that for the longest time versus someone who's new. It's like once you take away the cam, people have to readjust to it almost. It's a weird thing. It's kind of like. You have this element for the longest time. Once you change it, though, it's like everyone's got to readjust to it. And uh, here's the thing. There's been plenty of studies that have shown, like, people will connect to you more if they can physically see you. Like, that is a thing. Yeah. And honestly, like, if you don't mind being on cam, like, there's no real negative aspect to doing it. But it, you've got it. Like, the problem is at that point, you've how comfortable are you with yourself at that point? Like, that's the real argument. Yeah. Uh. If you don't mind that, then like go at it. I just I just felt like I prefer being in a position where I don't have to show myself. And some people wish I had cam on more often. I have two webcams. I use them for like certain stream types or like when I need to actually show something on stream. But traditionally, like I'm fine without being on cam. So uh, to close things off, uh, do you have a message to, to any um, of the streamers that you know or YouTubers that you know that you talked to today? Um, do you have anything you like to say to them? Anybody specifically? Uh, kind of like a, a message to them. Run while you still can. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I don't think I really have a message. Like, I feel like at this point, like anyone who's new and getting into it, like my recommendation to them is like, make sure, like, like I said earlier, make sure you're having fun with it. Uh, don't just do it for the money, do it because you're enjoying it. And then the money will actually naturally follow. But like, I don't have to tell that message to people that have been doing it for so long. Like they all already know that answer or have uh, or ignored that answer until it kind of shoved itself into their face. It You need two mindsets when you're doing this stuff. You need to have the mindset of like, yeah, I'm doing this for fun. But you also need to have the mindset of like, hey, is what I'm doing right now working or not working? Like, what's the number? You you do. I hate to say this. I I love the advice of like, don't look at the number count. But there will always come a point where you have to. 
but like that's just any part of a business like that's I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like uh, if you're doing it full time, like at that point, you need to pay attention to the numbers to at least a certain extent. Once you've established the point where it's like your main job, like you got to know, like, OK, why did this thing I do not work? Like I'm at a point where like I'll notice if like viewership is down and then I'll be like, OK, is it just because of the game I'm playing today or is it because it's the, the, the game type or was it just a bad day? Like, like I'll be honest, uh. I think I did Mario Maker 2 on the day Animal Crossing came out or model kit building on the day. Anim yeah, it was model kit building on the day Animal Crossing came out. And I was like, you know what? No one's going to care what I stream today. So and my numbers going to be bad no matter what. So I'm going to do something that normally has bad numbers and just roll with it. And it was fun because uh, I didn't care at that point. So that's why I agree with the advice of like, don't care about the numbers to an extent. But at the same time, that was a calculated decision versus like uh i i've started this year my my goal this year was to try a bunch of new different stream types and see what people liked and didn't like so i i started doing uh i mean you know shroomy mm -hmm. uh, he does community tuesday so i've started doing the same thing but i call it power trip where uh we do the raffle and whoever wins gets to pick what game we stream next on the stream like it, it's literally the same thing but uh you know just at that point, since it's a new idea, I got to see how people react to it. I got to see what games people like and don't like when I do game clearing. Um, the problem with being a variety streamer is that, like, like I said earlier, uh, I, I, depending on, I will dif dictate what I watch based on what someone is streaming. And that applies to my audience as well, too. I know that uh, my audience will show up for certain games and they will tune out completely for other games. But then they sometimes they'll come back if I go to a different game and sometimes they might not. It like it's 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 things you have to keep in the back of your head. But like uh, that's this is more of like an established like you've been doing this for long enough that it's a thing you got to worry about. But if you've gone into it completely and not had that mindset in the back of your mind, at least a little bit, it's going to be difficult to readjust if that makes sense. Finding finding the balance of not caring at all and caring a lot is probably going to be one of the hardest aspects of being a streamer or YouTuber. Finding the balance that will keep you mentally and creatively like well-fed and I guess literally fed as well. Um but also like keeping your audience like in engaged and entertained. It's it's more of a struggle than uh, most people realize and it's more of a struggle that people don't usually see. So I guess my advice for like people who've been doing it for a bit is uh, find that balance as well as you can. And if you feel like you're getting burnt out, don't stop, but take a break. Right. The break, like uh, there's been a big push lately about like, hey, streamers and YouTubers need to be able to take a break, but because of the algorithm on like, say YouTube, you can't because that means like you're you're not going to have a good month. You need to find some sort of balance, like either have content produced in advance that you can just release while you're gone so you can actually take a vacation or ha have someone else check up on things for you or literally just completely cut yourself off to give yourself like an actual full recharge. Like balance is the most important thing about this field. Balance both like work wise and personality wise and just like friend wise, everything. Just balance yourself as best you can. And also... I'm sorry, I beg to congratulate you on this. Uh, the charity event you had just pretty recently, right? Uh, yeah, uh, one of my guys' Coliseum was uh, exactly a month ago. And you raised how much? 236,000 US, I believe. Holy cow. 
And you had a lot of great Hell stuff yeah. on there. You had uh, 8-Bit Drummer, who, who I love, by the way. I love watching him. I'm a drummer myself. Jared Jared is great. Jared's a good dude. He's, we, I only I only met him at last year's Coliseum. Wow. And then the way you guys did it remotely too was amazing. How you can how you can you just that's crazy. We uh, we got really lucky. So um, yeah, I, I looked it up two hundred thirty one thousand six hundred and sixty one dollars and sixty nine cents. Nice. Uh, we got lucky because with uh with my streaming setup, the way I do it is that uh, I stream out to Twitch, obviously. And then I have a side feed that I run uh, based off of a friend's server. And uh, my co-coms connect to that. So they get the stream feed, but at a lower bit rate so I don't kill my feed. And without our commentary. So they can hear the game audio and everything perfectly fine. So we took that setup and applied it to Coliseum itself. So the way that worked was we used... Uh, MC Gamer, uh, he's the guy who like is connected to Zelathon. He's the one that helps us run the directs and stuff like that. Uh, MC was the anchor point, so he was the actual feed the entire time. He was the one streaming, and we streamed to all these side servers, and he just captured the side servers. That was all how it worked. So he never had to disconnect the stream. We never had to wait for someone to reconnect to uh, to swap feeds, and then we have like to worry about passing the stream key around and stuff like that. It was literally just. Everyone connects to the side server. MC watches the side server, and that's all it is. It, it was as simple as we could make it for the viewer, and it worked surprisingly well. It worked way better than we expected. We expected a lot more issues to come up, and we really only had, like, two that I can think of. One of the servers had, like, some uh, some latency issues, so it kept, like, adding, like, weird audio hiccups to the feed, uh, and that unfortunately affected a major segment for a while. And then uh, at one point, one of the servers crashed. So we had to uh, wait for the the actual feed that was running to reconnect before we could like end that segment. Like it, like the segment like cut out like 40, out, 40 minutes early or something like that. But uh, otherwise, it was fairly smooth. That's amazing how you guys pull that off. Just like hearing about it. It's just like you guys had to go way beyond. And what's beautiful too is how you you had a community backing you up on these, uh, on the charity event. That That's amazing. Yeah, no, we like, we couldn't have done all that without like the support of like our mod team and like, without like all our friends and stuff like that. Like when we, we normally would meet in person to do the segment, to do the whole marathon. Cause then like you have the energy of being in person. It had a different energy than when we're all in person, but at the same time, like we had, uh, our normal stream setups. It was just, we were all doing our normal streams, but we were just doing it for a different cause and like we had a different structure in the background for uh, for adjusting certain things or like dealing with certain things, and it it worked. It was a community effort that all worked. Like everyone uh, after the plans canceled, they were all gung ho to be in for the proper thing, for the for the online version. We were we were originally we were like, yeah, this is gonna be like we'll call this like two point five. This is like a makeup one. And then we'll like do like the real Runaway Coliseum three like next year, but then it broke all our records, and then it went way smoother than we expected. So we're like, all right, never mind. This was actually the third one. <laughs> That's great. And um, you know, I would ask about throwing controllers, but uh, obviously it can't happen right now. <laughs> that, that ain't happening anytime soon. <laughs> but if they were some reason it was to happen. Where could they find the Runaway guys and the information on that and keep and to keep updated on what you guys are doing? Uh, 
we we've got youtube.com slash the runaway guys that's where we post all our previous recordings of throne controllers that's where we post our actual let's plays of the three of us playing games and whenever we have guests right now we're uploading all the segments of coliseum up there so we're on day three of that now um we also uh, it's in the works we got a, a website runawayguys.com that's coming up soon uh that will like give us bio give you bios of everyone who's been on the channel like it'll link to some of our playlists and pictures and stuff like that it'll tell you where we do throne controllers back when going outside is allowed again uh all that jazz so that's where you can find all the runaway guy stuff there and uh i heard you have a podcast um i do have a podcast. Your elevator pitch. I, te- <laughs> uh, technically technically i have a second one coming too um the main podcast is Top Down Perspective. That happens every Thursday evening around like 7 o'clock my time, which is mountain time. Uh, we talk about video games. It uh, stars one of my buddies from back when I worked at the video game stores and uh, or another buddy that I met through, uh, just through being on YouTube, actually. And we just kind of chat about video games that we've been playing and like the video game news and take questions from the audience, stuff like that. And that is at twitch.tv slash top down perspective. And uh, what's the way people can reach you if they uh, want to show you some art? I noticed that's one thing I want to talk about real quick. Your community <laughs> with the art. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. That's so cool. My, we we have fostered the most ridiculous art community. It, it is I I never in my mind ever imagined this would happen. I'm so glad it did, but it's, it's, it's been crazy. It's so funny being like, all right, I can say something and then someone is willing to draw it. Even if that something ends up being some like a more ridiculous prompt. And it usually ends up being the more ridiculous prompts. Like, uh, a running thing that's been going through our community for about a year and a couple months now is just like gender bending myself or creating alternate versions of myself. So it's like me, but what if I was like, the, the main one is like, what if I was like also Rosalina from uh, from Mario, from Mario Galaxy? And then there's like all these other different versions. Like, okay, here's what John would be like if he was a Pokemon. Here's what John would be like if he was a Power Ranger. Here's what John would be like if he was super buff. Like just all these different changes. It's just, and the, the thing is like, I just tell the community, like make whatever you want. I do not care. Like just, you can draw me as whoever and however you want. And it is really, that created like some amazing, amazing things as a result. How does it feel to get, all those Twitter notifications of, of photos of you. I think the funnier thing is whenever I, I, I retweet one of the more like provocative <laughs> pictures and getting like very negative, like responses always makes me laugh <laughs> because like, um, uh, one of the trends was drawing me as a super, a super busty woman. And it, it really stuck for a while and it still has to be perfectly honest. Uh, and it's always funny just being like, man, what, John, why do people draw you as like a, like a super sexy wife? And I'm just like, I opened my mouth and they just kind of ran with it. <laughs> oh man. So where, where can they find that Twitter full of artwork, John? Where can they find you and contact uh, you? Twitter.com slash proton underscore John. Uh, I did not get proton John all one word, which has made me mad to this day. <laughs> <laughs> Missed out by like six months or something like that. Uh, YouTube.com slash ProtonJohnSA is my solo content, but that has been inactive for the past two years. I think maybe encroaching on three. Uh, I am planning on getting that up and running. It's just every time I've said when it would probably happen, it hasn't. So just question mark in the future, question mark. Uh, That'll be active again. 
all my live streams are uploaded to a YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash proton john live streams that has uh all of my current streams from i think it was i think we started using that archive channel back in like september of last year up until now so 24 hours after a stream happens it gets uploaded there and then it also has my archive all the way back from 2012 to i think we're at 2016 right now we're trying to get all of them uploaded so there are some streams missing, but there was another channel that have those currently. So there are two channels out there if you want to see every stream I've done. And apparently that accounts to about 562 streams and about 3,000 hours of content. Yeah, and obviously twitch.tv slash ProtonDawn. That also exists. And, and <laughs> that, that might be important. And sometimes you might find them on Arcade Pit or maybe the Mystery Tournament too. Yeah, uh, I'm in Cuso Grande at the moment, so... Yeah, I always thought about doing a mystery tournament. This looks fun. Mystery tournaments are fun, but man, they are stressful at times. Like, uh, Cuso Grande is, is a bad video game mystery tournament, as in like the games are all awful. Oh, that's up your alley. <laughs> it, it's, yeah, I, I've placed in brackets uh, every year since I've entered, but this is the year I'm a little nervous about it because uh, there you have to do four qualifier rounds to get to bracket. And you need to get a certain score for each round. Otherwise, you don't move on. So it's just like if you have one slip up, you're out. So right, like right now, it's like, oh, man, I'm nervous about seeing if I'm going to make it. I've, I've made it to round three out of a four-round qualifier, basically, right now. So it's just being careful. Like, like I think I, it's a four-player race each time in the qualifier. I just can't get last place in any of my races or I'm immediately out. But it's, it's rough because you never know what to expect, especially when it's a bad game. All right. So that looks like it's going to wrap it up for this episode. Um, John... Seriously, I appreciate you being here, and um, thanks for doing this. It's uh, I feel like um, we covered a lot of the general stuff, but if there's stuff that you feel like that we could have covered more, or if you had specific questions, and we have enough, um, maybe we could do in our episode just on those questions. Um, I feel like it could be like yeah. a B-side. I'd be down. <laughs> I'd be down. I'd be down for that for sure. But, dude, thanks for coming on, and... You know, I emailed him and he immediately wanted to do it. And I was like, man, this is going to be an awesome episode. And it, I learned a lot about you and I learned about, I'm sure other people learn from you too, through your experiences and the, the path you went through. Um, you have a lot of years under your belt. And uh, if there's anybody they can learn from, it's it's definitely you. Learn, learn how to be moderately successful. That's it. <laughs> Just come up with enough memes so you can uh, promote your product. <laughs> Just, just become the meme. That's all you need. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So me and John are going to take off. Thank you, everybody, for uh, listening to this episode. And make sure you go watch Proton John. And let us know how we did and what you thought of the episode. And if you want John back on. Or is he going to break this podcast somehow? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't upload somehow. Yeah. Darn it, Pinecast. <laughs> all right, guys. Take care, and uh, we'll talk to you the next time. Later, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Streaming Talks with uh, myself and Proton John. If you enjoyed this podcast episode with John and you have more questions or maybe you have some more things you want to know about John and you want me to do a second part with John, maybe like a B-side or a bonus episode, um, I'm sure we'd be more than happy to do it. So just let us know. If you thought we did a good job, tweet at us at Streaming Talks on Twitter. Or you can also uh, tweet at MRRNight36. 
and uh, let us know how we did. And also, you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash MRRnight. Until then, bye-bye.